Hey everyone and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. And welcome to this very special episode of Pixels for his very special year. Uh, my name is Patrick Beja, and usually we talk about the news from the video games world. Uh, today we're going to be doing a little bit of that, but we're probably not going to be spending as much time on the news as they would warrant, because there are some uh, pretty impressive things happening, because... This is, as you probably already know, our Games of the Year episode. We're going to be talking about our favorite games of this year, and there are many. I'm very much looking forward to hearing what uh, all of the co-hosts have to say. And uh, by the way, this is episode 100 of Pixels. So what better way uh, to celebrate 100 episodes than to actually talk about fantastic games for this year? And we have a a super-sized crew assembled today, which I'm going to start welcoming on the show now. First, uh, my uh, very uh, often companion, Ed, is back with us. How's it going, Ed? It's going good. It's going good. Cedar season is in full force in Texas, so uh, sorry if I sound a little groggy. Well, I think we were joking about this a little bit uh, before the show started. Uh, Everyone was taking turns saying how tired and sick uh, they were. So as I was saying, this is a great way to start a podcast. We're all sick, tired. Uh, But you know what? The power of video games and friendship is going to bring us uh, joy and uh, energy, as I'm sure Jocelyn Moffat will uh, confirm. How's it going, Joss? Good. I'm so happy to be back. Thanks for having me, Patrick. I'm so glad to have you on. You were we were joking about this as well before the show. Last time we actually spoke was for our uh, favorite games of 2017. So uh... I know, so literally a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, what you are going to be telling us. And I don't know what any of uh, anyone's games are. I kind of have a, a little bit of a clue for some of you because uh, we interact a little bit on Twitter and on podcasts and I listen to all of you. But uh, I'm still the surprise is the fun part. Uh, we also are welcoming Jeff Canada from uh, DLC and many other fine places. How's it going, Jeff? It's going well, Patrick. Happy uh, congratulations on on 100 episodes. That's no small feat. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I think you are the VR uh, stamp of approval for this show. So I will be disappointed if there isn't at least one VR game in your favorite games of the year. Oh, it's been a very good year for VR. So rest assured that will happen. Excellent. Uh, And finally, very happy to be welcoming uh, back on the show, Olivia. Uh, How's it going, Olivia Grace? It's going great. Thank you, Patrick. It's uh, yeah, it's a chilly San Francisco morning for me. And I, I too, am coming off the tail end of an absolutely delightful flu. So <laughs> leaning into the power of video games that's actually pulled me through a lot of this flu, honestly. Quite Excellent. <laughs> I, I, do you have a switch or, or not? I have pretty much one of every console that you can think of. All right. So I can <laughs> I imagine... PlayStation, I have an Xbox, I have a 3DS, I have a, oh man, I'm a console hoarder as well. I keep all the old ones. (laughs) I'm pretty sure a few of us had uh, some, uh, uh, you know, uh, 
miserable afternoons in bed as we were laying down sick and uh, with the switch comforting us and uh, getting us through that uh, trial. So I'm sure that absolutely. was the case for you as well. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And all of us were playing just Fortnite, of course, on the Switch. What else do you do on the on the Switch? Obviously, there are other games on the Switch. <laughs> Um, all right. So before we do talk about our favorite games, I did want to talk about a few uh, bits of news. As I said, we're not going to be spending too much time on them, even though they would warn them, warn that in a in a regular episode. But I did want to mention them. The first one is on the back of Steam announcing a, a reduction in their uh, fee when you publish game on their platforms, and then essentially uh, Epic destroying them <laughs> with their store where they Steam is taking between 30 and in very rare cases 25 or or 20 percent um epic has announced they uh they will be taking 12 percent which you know is a lot less than 30 and uh, discord just announced they're going to be taking 10 percent of uh the the revenue of the games you publish on their platform of course epic has fortnite to to um, one of the many arguments uh to favor their store and discord has a giant user base anyway so they also are a, a very strong contender stronger than most of the other stores that have existed in the past few years um so i guess it's a question an open question to uh to everyone um do you guys think this is the uh I don't want to say the uh nail in the the last nail in the coffin of, of Steam because they're still very strong but we've been talking about this for years I think competition is is finally here. I guess I'm going to give the mic to Jeff um to tell us what you think about this. It's I th I thought it was a massive bit of news. It is a massive bit of news. It's it's going to I think redefine what uh, development looks like in the next few years. Uh, we already saw a race to the bottom in pricing with engines themselves. You know, basically, game engines are free to developers at this point, really excellent ones like Unreal and Unity. And that's because this competition happened and companies were willing to take the loss to get that revenue on the back end. And now the revenue on the back end is even in competition. Uh, it, it's a, it is going, Epic's bold move here and really uh, bankrolled by the success of Fortnite is going to, I think, revolutionize what the game industry is doing for the next three to five years. And uh, I think we were just seeing the beginning of that with, with these kinds of announcements and new storefronts. Uh, and, you know, from a gamer's perspective, which is really the perspective I'm most interested in, I, I think this is both exciting and a little intimidating. They're all already too many games and now the the barrier of entry to be a game developer is is basically gone uh it's it is so easy to create not just a game but an excellent looking great playing game that has incredible features i mean epic is talking about making cross-platform play cross-platform voice communication all these things free baseline free to, to developers it's it's an extraordinary time to make games, it's an extraordinary time to play games. And I think we are going to see the ramifications of this play out over the next three to five years in really dramatic ways. Yeah, you, you're... Oh, go ahead, Ed. I think there's like a, a lot of uh, hate that this that the Epic Store has been getting from like the community a little bit recently. Um, and I think most of it boils down to like, oh, they don't have reviews. They don't have the forums and all this stuff. But like this kind, these kind of moves are a positive impact for the industry and all the rest can come later, right? 
like Steam didn't launch with forums. It didn't launch with reviews. It's been out for how long now? Like ten years, ten plus years. So like it's had a good amount of development time. So if if that's something that you want to that you're clambering for in the Epic storefront, you need to like make your voice known and not like just hate on it for that reason. You know. Do you find those things valuable on Steam, though? That's I, where I, I was going to go. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that I don't I, I don't personally find them valuable, uh, but I think people do. People like mm. the community aspect of games, especially when it comes to like modding and uh, like guides and like achievement guides and stuff like that. Like that is why people go to those forums um if they're really engaged with the game that they're playing and not having that is a, a detriment for that particular thing i guess uh, uh, olivia and joss you i think you were uh you unmuted yourself so i think you have things to say about the forums and, and community pages olivia what do you think yeah i think to me i think you know i obviously i while steam didn't launch with everything it has today i think that you know steam is kind of for better or for worse, the current benchmark from the player perspective, I think, you know, you summarize really neatly from the developer perspective that this is just a fantastic situation for developers right now. And I'm really excited to see the future of games that are coming out now that the bar is so incredibly low. Um, but from the user, from the consumer perspective, I really think that Discord, uh, Discord, Steam sets the bar for that usage. I really do use the reviews. I use the reviews very heavily. Uh, particularly around buying DLC and mods, where the quality, like I'm less able to easily go online, easily listen to a podcast because those big news beats, which are which people cover, are more around the original launches, and I'm much more reliant on community to get that input, those opinions, those feelings, and also the help. Like the, you know, when you come up against a barrier in a game and you're just confused and you can't find any solution online. Uh, without steam like that steam community and those steam pages are invaluable for that because all of how the players you, are localized in one spot how do you manage not to find a solution online like i go to youtube and search place where i'm stuck enter and there's like a 15 million playthroughs um patrick i as despite being a video having been a video content producer myself i do not prefer to consume that information in video form <laughs> right okay i guess that's fair enough uh joss what do you think well, I was just going to say, like, my comment is a little bit more on the developer side of things, because mm -hmm. I know we've seen a lot of kind of kickback from the community around things like um, just extra things you have to buy in the game, whether that's a loot box type system or a cosmetics or whatever that developers have kind of been doing to subs like um, subsidize the cost of creating these games. And if they're able to move to platforms that are going to give them 90% of the money that they make selling their game, then maybe in the next few years, we'll see them move away from cosmetics and loot boxes because they won't have to supplement their income in any kind of way. They're just going to get the money from the base sale of the game. So I think this is a great thing just for even like gamers and communities to not have to worry about those like all the little extra microtransactions in mm. some of these like AAA titles. Well, I hate I mean, to be skeptical. I, yeah, <laughs> that's where I was going. Uh, maybe I'm just like, it, yeah, maybe I'm just being too positive. Most corporations <laughs> like to make as much money as possible, so they're going to do that stuff in addition to the revenue, the extra I, revenue share. Yeah, maybe I, little developers won't be as enticed to do. Uh, to do microtransactions, but uh, the big be. ones, no, they're not going to give a crap. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I going from 
going from uh, 70 to 90 is definitely, you know, 20% in increase in your revenue is incredible. And in the case of uh, the Epic Game Store, if you use uh, Unreal, which costs you 5% of your revenue, uh, then it's included in the 12%. So between Discord and, and Epic, it's kind of uh, a similar thing. So Epic is 7%, well, I mean, 12% with the engine, um, if you if you use Unreal and Discord is 10. So it's more or less the same thing. But yeah, I think that even with those 20%, the, 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 the companies are going to want to sell you as much as they can. And I don't think uh, cosmetic is going to be going away. But maybe for some of them, it, it might be possible to make more uh, of a, a viable product without those things um, with those extra 20%. And I think Steam is going to have to reply uh, to this. I mean, Valve is going to have to do something. They can't stay at 30%. They still have a, a, a significant, um, you know, uh, uh, they the, an advance. Market on, share. Yeah, market share on everyone else. So they don't have to re reply right this moment, but they're going to have to reply pretty quickly. And you you mentioned Jeff um, the fact that they're going to the, the that Epic um, unveiled their essentially cross platform SDK that they're going to be giving out to everyone. I think this has to do with Tim Sweeney's philosophy. Almost, you know, he 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 is a militant person and he wants to do certain things for the game industry and he puts the, his his wallet and company's power where his mouth is and, and I think he is going to single-handedly essentially uh, we we got these announcements about uh, Sony allowing finally cross-platform but it seemed complicated and Fortnite is the first one and we we were maybe thinking hey maybe just you know Fortnite is going to benefit from this and uh, it's going to be difficult for others to implement no Fortnite figured it out or more or less and within a few weeks they're going to have completely figured it out and so everyone is going to have the possibility to uh, do this in the same way, as well as Fortnite. Uh, this is incredible. It's going to, it makes the uh, development of cross-platform gameplay uh, de facto easy thing to integrate, or more or less easy. But uh, So I think that's really amazing as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be, I think, um, a, we are going to quickly forget to the time when every game wasn't cross-platform. I think mm -hmm. it's going to be kind of like um, having online functionality. You know, there was a big hoopla when the first Xbox came out and it was like, oh my God, every game has, you can <laughs> connect with every game. What? They they don't support 56K modems? What they, he requires a, a, <laughs> a, a, a high-speed internet connection? What are they doing? They're committing suicide. It's, and now it just it just seems like, crazy to think that there was ever video games that didn't have that and that's how it's going to be with crossplay. i think this yeah. move is going to result in it being just a de facto standard that every game you play very soon will have cross platform saves cloud saves pick it up on one device put it down on another move on the only thing that won't do that are these first party exclusive uh, platform games mm-hmm yeah, you were mentioning that on uh, on your podcast, and I think it's it's very likely that this is gonna how it's gonna work for the next generation. Um, yeah, but I guess we'll see. Um, another thing I wanted to mention was this uh, announcement by Blizzard that they're essentially I don't want to say abandoning Heroes of the Storm. 
but kind of abandoning Heroes of the Storm. Um, they waited until the last second, probably because they hadn't decided, but they waited until the last second to announce that there is not going to be uh, their major esports competition in 2019. And that development of the on the game is essentially, well, scaling back, but uh, they're redistributing developers on other uh, games that the company is developing, probably some unannounced games as well. But um, I, that was a bummer for many fans of uh, this this title. Um, I'm going to turn to Jeff again. Sorry, but you're the biggest uh, Heroes fan I know. I think possibly the biggest Heroes fan there is. Uh, I guess you're <laughs> I bummed that. out. I am bummed out. It is uh, it is my favorite game. It is a game that I play every day. It is uh, a game that I have played for four years now and adore. And it, yeah, that news hit like a ton of bricks for me. It, it, basically, they're canceling all their esports. Um, the Heroes Global Championship, I think, was a very, very well-produced, uh, thrilling event that got far too few viewers to continue, it seems. Uh, and but worse than that to me is the is the Heroes of the Dorm event, which was a collegiate event where students are are competing to get scholarships to go to college. It, it was a very positive, fun, just wonderful video game event, and I'm sad to see it go. And yes, uh, they have moved some developers onto other games, and they say that the the very very quick pace of new content that has defined Heroes of the Storm for the last four years will slow and that's a bummer the game is not being abandoned i don't i don't think that there's any um fear of that happening completely uh ko milker who's the game director on the on the game has made a statement saying that you know they still have a very dedicated team they still have uh plans for the game to move forward so it is not dying it is not a dead game and uh even this week there have been a lot of really cool uh, announcements from the community about organizing their own informal esports tournaments um i'm i'm hoping those happen and i'm hoping those kind of create a grassroots uh lifeblood for the game that that catches on i'm still gonna play it uh i hope that the user base doesn't dwindle i think it will i think that the messaging around this kind of announcement results in people leaving the game but as long as there's nine other people I can play with, I'm going to keep playing it. I, I love the game. So uh, I'm, I, I'm still hopeful. I'm cautiously optimistic. I think that also kind of begs the question of, you know, we've heard a lot with Diablo Immortals announcement and uh, some articles, uh, most notably the one by Jason uh, Schreier over at Kotaku about the um, uh, money saving uh, that they Blizzard seems to be implementing. I've commented on that quite a bit. Um, but... Some people are saying this is another sign that uh, Activision is imposing its will on Blizzard. And we are all relatively close to Blizzard. In the case of Olivia and myself, uh, essentially, we worked for the company. So uh, take every anything we say with a grain of salt. But what do you make of it? What do you think about these uh, announcements, Olivia? Yeah, I think it's really interesting, Patrick. I think um, I was I was... Not surprised uh, to see the announcement in any way, shape, or form. Um, although I was, you know, it's obviously it's a sad situation. Regardless, like I don't think it's any great secret that even though the game has very many dedicated uh, fans, obviously one of which is on this show, um, <laughs> it's not been doing what I think that the initial release had hoped for. 
uh, as far as like capturing that market and like really grabbing those viewers for the esports. Having worked on Heroes of the Dawn for several years and, you know, been around for the inception of Heroes Esports, it's definitely disappointing. And I think it's very, very interesting for the esports industry as a whole. I think this is a this is a harsh reminder for people who are dedicating their lives to esports that publishers do own those titles. This uh, this isn't like basketball or or football where there, there's an inherent nature of the game that will continue to exist regardless of a publisher. No one owns soccer, uh, but these these companies do own them and they there are external influences which may not necessarily be within the control of the people who are funding and dedicating their lives to these esports events that mean that diversification is not only a desire, but a requirement for these esports professionals. And I think that this is kind of a, a wake up call, like the, the heroes of the storm esports to, to Jeff's earlier point were huge budget. Um, and I think that this is a wake up call that any league can disappear. Uh, do I think that this is Activision at play? No, no, I don't. I think that this is, uh, I think that it's very easy to blame the big bad the big bad Bobby Kotick and to <laughs> kind of do that thing and sort of think of Blizzard as this like delightful, cheerful little company that just wants to make the best games it can. But I think it's, you know, in the, the world that we're in at the moment for Blizzard with uh, its uh, its games and this desire to innovate in a space that there is a necessity to make these hard calls. And I think that, you know, there's probably going to be some people out there blaming Mike's departure, Jab's, uh, J. Allen Brack's taking over. Oh, they over. are. They already are. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I've seen some of that. I wasn't clear on how big that was. And I don't think that any of that is is what this is. I think it's, uh, I think it's a, I think actually it's probably more planned than any of us would perhaps anticipate. Um, I think it's probably been a long time coming and it's not an easy decision for anyone to make. But prioritization is important for any company. And while Blizzard has been in a very enviable situation for some time, thanks in, in no small part to World of Warcraft um, and its continued success, I think that they are now having to start making those hard choices. And they've decided to take uh, a perhaps underperforming game and decrease investment in that in order to invest in the future. And I, I think that yeah. is a good call. I think the, as I said, when they were talking about uh, the this cost-saving uh, moves at Blizzard with uh, uh, Jason Trier's article, what I said was, well, they're not getting rid of developers and they're hiring more developers, which is what really counts when you want to make games. And in this case, they're, they're not shutting down the quote-unquote studio inside the studio. They're keeping the devs and putting them on other things. And for a company that has like 15 million games as a service, they've tried everything they could with heroes and sure it's doing i'm sure it's doing okay i'm sure they're not losing money on it but where do i think they look at you know two three years out the game is not growing i'm i'm guessing they have those numbers it's not growing uh, it's probably shrinking what do you do they've revamped the game a couple of times they've changed a lot of things both gameplay and and marketing uh quote-unquote marketing wise at some point you have to decide do we keep our full team on this or you know, forever, because you're never going to stop? Or do we ask them to make something else that could be bigger, better, more fun, more innovative, more interesting? Um, so, yeah, I, I think this is for something... Me, for, for me, the sad thing is is that the game itself, I don't think, ever really got a fair shake from gamers. I, I think that the the big dogs of League of Legends and Dota have... Uh, the, the, the player bases of those games, for the most part, have turned their nose up at it, and it got... It, got labeled as the sort of beginners or my first MOBA, uh, <laughs> I think unfairly. And the game is very complex. It has a lot to offer. It's, it's extraordinarily well-designed, gorgeous. 
Uh, and it's a bummer to me that they couldn't find the messaging that would uh, shed that that label and get more people to, to give it a try. Because I I know a lot of people that um, you know played League or Dota and tried Heroes on a Lark and then really enjoyed it. So you know, I just it just was unfortunate that it could never kind of break out of that cl- classification that a people in the early judgment that a lot of people gave it. Right. But but I think regardless, we can't blame Blizzard for not having tried. They've really worked on that game, updated it a lot, changed a lot of things about the way it was presented. Yeah. The way, so I think the question is: at some point, you're right. It it maybe it wasn't given a fair uh, shake, but the result is still you know that it it wasn't performing um, as they hoped. And where you know when you look two years out, anyway. Um, all right, uh, Ed or Josh, do you want to add something? Uh, now nah, I was just I was going to make a comment about how basically uh, we have this term in the industry called maintenance mode, where uh, a a project or a or a application or something goes kind of into a state where you kind of just work on bugs and maybe add a few other extra stuff. That's what this feels like to me, which mm. is sad. I but, mean, they're they're uh, probably it's the reality of development. They're probably going to be adding a, a couple of heroes a year or something like that. Maybe yeah. go through the rest of the roster. I mean, they, they, had, they still but, have they still have artists. They still have they still have like a, probably a couple artists, a couple designers, stuff like that. Yeah. But it's not the team that it was before, yeah. and so it's the the release structure is going to uh, reflect that. And I think like we, you know, we ha- having both Patrick and I spent time working at Blizzard. We we both know that they tend to develop with a very long lead time. Um, making change at Blizzard is hard, so it's it's likely that we actually might not even see the effects of this reduction in um, workforce for quite some time for the game. Mm. Just, <laughs> Olivia just said exactly what I was going to say. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. We probably won't even. It's okay. We probably won't even see the effects of this until like maybe even 2020 because they've probably got a good year's worth of content that's pretty much ready to go. So. I think, they I think might it'll spread be a while out, before though. we really feel this. They they might spread it out. That's true. Yeah. It depends how big the team is that they actually kept back, which I don't think mm. they really said. So we'll uh, see what happens. But I think maybe this really means un- we'll get Diablo faster. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's possible. It's entirely possible. Um, all right. Last uh, tidbit I wanted to mention is the release of Brawl Stars, which as core PC elitist gamers, we didn't touch any of us. Well, I did play uh, uh, maybe 15 minutes of it. Uh, it's a new game by Supercell, and it's essentially a, a, a three-on-three arena brawler. You know, maybe, Jeff, you would like it because it's uh, my first first MOBA type of thing. Um, and it's... How dare you? <laughs> it's... Uh, it's Regardless of what you think about it, it has an emphasis on gameplay, and I think this is the third game that Supercell puts out that has the potential, I mean, that cares about gameplay, which is something we don't see a lot in the mobile industry. And I really think that Supercell is, of course, they rely a lot on marketing, as any mobile game company does, but they have to be commended for caring about gameplay that much of course uh clash royale and clash of clans were super successful but i think they're a special company in that landscape in that they want to make good games adapted for mobile of course but they are uh pretty good games so i i just wanted to mention it because supercell is the first uh company that comes out of that uh ecosystem that i can honestly say, unlike, you know, Rovio and King and all of those other ones, 
They care about games, so I'm going to keep my eye on them and maybe even try Brawl Stars uh, a little bit more. Yeah, as I'm actually a, a pretty big fan of Supercell's games, um, I, I, I've played Brawl Stars and it's really fun. Supercell is a very, we were just talking about, you know, the games as a business as opposed to as a sort of philosophy from Blizzard and that shift. Um, I think that we are, we're, Supercell is a company for me that epitomizes games as a business. They are ruthless. I think I read an article from Ilja, I can't pronounce his surname, Patrick, you're more local, maybe you can. Um, <laughs> they but, are a Finnish company. Yeah. They are a Finnish company and that they uh, they kill nine out of 10 of their games and they only launch the absolute best. And I think that that really shows in the the quality of what they put out. Um, I think that this is going to be another huge success for them. It came out on a soft launch last uh, 2017 in Canada and shot straight up into the top 10 grossing for from at that launch. Um, and it's really fun. Um, I would I would encourage anyone who has a phone, as we've all heard recently, that's a kind of core thing for game developers <laughs> right now. <laughs> so I would definitely encourage anyone to try it. It's it's a really good, fun, lightweight, and they've just got a great grasp of uh, desired session length and snackability for phone-centric games. And I, I think I have a great deal of respect for Supercell, so I'm going to be playing the absolute crap out of this. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it, even the way they design it, it's super slow in its pace because it's ma- meant for mobile. You know, it's not trying to replicate one-to-one the experience you could have on uh, a, a more traditional gaming device. But it's really well thought out. It's a hero type thing. So you have different heroes with different uh, abilities. We'll have to see how much money you have to sink into it uh, to, to progress in any way. But uh, still, I mean, that... That, that's something I think that shouldn't be uh, forgotten in the mobile space. All right, the time has come. We're going to be talking about our favorite games of the year. And uh, since Olivia has more limited times than the time than the others uh, for, for being on the show, I'm going to start with you. I, I told everyone um, we are going to select each of us up to five of our favorite games this year. Um, each one of us is going to tell us about the, the five, and then we can discuss uh, each one, and, and each one, uh, all of us can say what we think about them. So, Olivia, what are your favorite games of this year? Uh, Patrick, so I sat down. I sat down yesterday, and I was like, "Oh man, I need to really think this through because you know, like everyone, I watch the VGAs and I, you know, engage with that content. And actually, for me personally, like I've had a really hard time figuring out four and a half candidates for Game of the Year this year. And I think you know, the typical, uh, you know, God of War, Red Dead, Assassin's Creed, uh, Smash Bros, uh, all of those games have just not really personally grabbed me. I have picked, I've bought all of them, but I have, I've, you know, dug into them. I played a little bit. I probably only played 10 hours, maybe 12 hours of God of War, a few hours of Red Dead, I, Assassin's Creed, Odyssey, uh, Smash Bros. I haven't really dug into yet, to be honest, but um, I, all I right, found be careful now, Olivia. You might, you might incur yeah. the wrath of many of us and the audience. That's well, dangerous indeed, words you're think, saying. You know, that's, it's very dangerous, but I do think it's sort of, it's been a tricky year for me. And I said this to some friends of mine at work uh, yesterday, and I don't work at Twitch anymore. I work at Instagram these days, so it's less of a gamer crowd. But um, they were already sort of like foaming at the mouth at the idea that I could <laughs> dare to not enjoy the venerable title that was God of War. But I found it really boring. I found it really irritating. I actively disliked God of War. Oh, wow. Really? Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I really did. Um, so I think that the, the other, our other silent hosts are sort of channeling their hatred into their microphones. <laughs> <It's exactly laughs> 
<laughs> I'm in the same boat. I'm just going to come right out in your defense oh and say, like, uh, everything that you just listed, I'm like, yeah, nope, that's not on my list. That's not on my list. Nope, nope, oh, nope, wow. nope. Oh, yeah, so wow. Okay. The, yeah, Olivia, I got, I got your back. Don't worry. I got you. <laughs> God of War is my shame this year. Or your that shame. Actually, uh, I didn't, didn't play it. At I didn't all. play that. Or Spider- Spider- I have to be yeah. the guy that speaks up for God of War. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, so I played like a, a couple hours of God of War, uh, but then I got distracted. I, I moved that's in the even, middle of the summer. So like, that's even worse, Ed. You actually did play it. It's not like you didn't have the opportunity to love it. You tried and you didn't. it didn't grab you either. Wow. No, I didn't it's not think... that it didn't grab me. It's not that it didn't grab me. It's just I... I I moved in the middle of the summer and that was right when Prime got a war playing time was and then I got then I finished moving and then all of a sudden all everything else was coming out. So <laughs> right, that's another I, issue I with to, this year. I had to make decisions. All right, well, I, I mean, yeah. we'll have an opportunity to talk about God of War, I'm sure. Uh, Jeff, <laughs> I I got you. Um just <laughs> <laughs> carrying the torch for God of War, but yeah. So I think I guess to yeah, carry on, the, um, I kind of felt the same way about a lot of a lot of the excuse the traffic noise. I'm sorry, a lot of the uh, big titles this year didn't. I didn't even buy Spider Man. I was so tired of male. Oh wow, you keep, keep on like you're swinging I, all around. Yeah, That's okay. I didn't engage with Spider Man at all. I was, you know, it was God of War. It was Red Dead, and I, I'm just like, okay, I don't. For me personally, I love playing games where I can feel like a powerful representation of myself and so games with an exclusively male protagonist are a much harder sell for me no cassandra for you no i mean cassandra in i I, sure i mean it's sort of wait which is which one is cassandra (laughs) Uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Yeah, so Assassin's Creed Odyssey is the one is the one where they could be Cassandra. Um, unfortunately for Assassin's so Assassin's Creed Odyssey of the big games is probably the one where I come closest to including it in my five. Okay, um, but I, I would say she is she's an extraordinary. Uh, the performance is fantastic. Yeah, she's a great character. I I uh, well over sixty hours into Assassin's Creed Odyssey playing as her. It, I hope you give it her a chance if you haven't yet because she is fun. Just, just yeah. The the performance alone is worth playing the game for. Yeah, totally. And I think that God, uh, excuse me, God of War, Assassin's Creed Odyssey is what is kind of. I'm in the same boat where Jeff was for, for sorry, not Jeff, uh, Ed was for God of War, where I I haven't had the time to dive in and really fully engage with it. But the few hours, the six or seven hours of it that I have played, I was glancing at my Steam this morning before the show. Um, I have really enjoyed. And I think it's one of those where there's been my games to-do list has been long enough that I just haven't managed to really dive in deeply into Assassin's Creed Odyssey. But that said, so what ones, which ones do I like? Um, so I am going to say weird things and you're probably all going to side-eye me, but <laughs> the game, the single game that I personally have enjoyed the most this year, sunk the most hours into, had the most happiness from, is Vermintide 2. Oh, wow. Okay. Much. <laughs> I have just loved, I have been loving that game. I have played, I looked this morning, 140 hours of Vermintide 2 this year. I have leveled multiple characters. I've done a ton of group play. I've got all the DLC. I have been having an absolute ball with that game. Now, do I feel that I should sort of take on, uh, discuss this and try to make a case that Vermintide 2 is a quote unquote better game than the Red Dead's God of War Assassin's Creed Odyssey? That's a hard call. That's a hard. That's a hard case to make. So I, I agree. With you. I don't yeah. think it's about that. I think. I think it's about the game that you loved the most. The game that gave you the most yeah, entertainment. Absolutely. Screw, screw this kind of objective better idea. I, I'm. 
I'm, I think it's absolutely your right to say that that's your favorite game of the year. <laughs> it's, it's your just, favorite game, right? Not like yeah, the yeah, best yeah. game of the year, right? And I, I just yeah, think it's it's a game that we might have to describe for some of the listeners because they have no idea what it is. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's, I, it's, I think that's wonderful. It's a the, on my show we do a top five and then we do five like games that nobody else is probably going to talk about as game of the year, and I love that because that's what people should be listening to this show and, and discovering things and going, Oh my God, I didn't play that. Not everybody is talking about yeah. it. Like, Bravo no, I, I mean, to, you for to, to be honest, the reason I'm calling these uh, our favorite games of the year is uh, in, in large part because of your show, Jeff, because that's the way you approach it. And I think it's a, it's a great way of looking at it. So Olivia, don't feel any need to justify <laughs> Vermintide 2 is one of your favorite games of the yeah, year. Give, up, give us well, the no, five justify, and then we'll discuss. Definitely yeah. justify. justify. But, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I, don't, I think it's, you know, one of those things, if you think of like a game of the year, it's one of the people want to have like this big, like that tends to be the big epic giant world games, you know, the Red Death, mm. God of Wars, et cetera. Um, but for me, absolutely Vermintide 2. So what is it? It's uh, if you played Left 4 Dead or Left 4 Dead 2 or indeed Vermintide, you already know what it is. It is a dungeon crawler, group centric uh you're basically killing rats rushing through a dungeon trying to do it in time you get additional uh, items that you can pick up that make your xp gain bigger but make the dungeon harder so for example you'll pick up an item called a tome which means that you cannot heal or you have to put the tome down pick up a healing pot pick the tome back up again but you can't heal during combat Uh, there's a, a book called a grimoire, which means that your total health pool is reduced and you have four layers of difficulty, which you can work through. Uh, there's a small but strong community for it. No one's going to be talking about this at the big award shows, but my God, I love that game. The combat <laughs> is so, they have done an amazing job of making that combat viscerally satisfying as someone who's not really as like, you know, you have the gamer archetypes. My gamer archetype is killer. I love killing things in games, <laughs> not in the real world. Um, but I, that game is so satisfying. Like when you hit something, it feels like you can almost feel it through your body. And it's a really, really great combat implementation. Uh, my other games are equally out there and weird. <laughs> so good news. Shadow of the Tomb Raider. That is probably my number two. I've loved the Tomb Raider series. Um, I really, really loved it. I've since the 2013 one came out. Um, and this one is a, a, continua a continuation of that tour de force of those games. The, the combat is fantastic. It feels very satisfying. The story feels compelling, uh, but not interruptive. I, I just think that they're all excellent games and Shadow of the Tomb Raider is no exception. I think it's telling for me that that's the game format that I'm really enjoying. Assassin's Creed Odyssey probably comes in next. Um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, in my opinion, is the best recent implementation of an Assassin's Creed. But oh, wait, so is, is it your, your third favorite game or are you just it mentioning is my, it? It is a, it's kind of, so after these two, it kind of all is equal. So okay. it's kind of Vermintide, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, then some other games of which in no particular order. Okay. Um, so I, I find Assassin's Creed Odyssey is a really good recent Assassin's Creed game, but I don't find Assassin's Creed games as enjoyable in general mm. as the Shadow of the Tomb Raider, the, that style of like crawler or world-based game. Um, my other two then, just to my other couple, just to throw those in there, and these really are in no particular order. Um, Subnautica. I absolutely mm. loved Subnautica. I loved that's on my list. That is on my list. <laughs> my God, could Subnautica be the unanimous, like the one that we have? <laughs> it's an awesome game. It's an awesome, especially in VR. Oh, oh there we 
go. I that's why. That's why. I don't know but, if I can do it in VR. I'm too scared of sharks to do that. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> it is, I'm us... telling you guys, it is the it is. I played it exclusively in VR. It is an extraordinary experience in VR. The VR imp- implementation is great, and the the idea that you're putting on a mask to go underwater, you feel like you're putting on a mask because you are putting on a mask. Right. It's really, really great. <laughs> so I want to hear the last one and then we're going to go back to a couple of them and everyone will have a yeah. chance to say. So what's the last one? The last one for me has been a really hard one. I really wanted to love We Happy. I really wanted to be able to say We Happy Few because I love that game so much. I backed it on Kickstarter like I didn't even know how many years ago. And it came out and I was so excited and it was so bad. I I wanted so much to love that game, but I was so disappointed. And I think, I feel like Detroit Become Human is my other one. Um, Yes, that's on my list too. (laughs) I like that game. We're like the same. (laughs) Yeah, I think we are. But it's fantastic. I, I really enjoyed that. And it was not for me as like that killer archetype of gamer. I didn't expect to enjoy it. It actually, I played all the way through it. Um, I played the demo and upgraded my collection my, my, uh, to the Digital Deluxe. Um, and I went, actually went back and played through Heavy Rain, Beyond Two Souls, um, all of the previous games in anticipation of Detroit Become Human. And it actually introduced me to that whole genre of games. So um, I hadn't played those before. So okay. big, big, big props from that. So, okay, I think you've made a pretty good case for uh, Vermintide 2. I don't think anyone else has it on their list. Has um, anyone else even played it? Has anyone else played Vermintide 2? I haven't, but I want to now. Yeah, I, I want to <laughs> yeah. be a, a killer I as well. I just put it on my wish list. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I think you sold it pretty we well. play it together, guys. <laughs> Excellent yeah. idea. Um, Who wants to just stop recording and play some Vermintide 2, guys? <laughs> <laughs> we're already on Discord. <laughs> yeah. and, but I think so, it's four. We're, we're, we're just... Uh, there's five of us, so I guess I have to keep oh, recording. Patrick, alone. you're not invited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pat, no Frenchies allowed. <laughs> um, your, your, you know, your ping isn't good enough. Um, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Who else has it on on their list? So I will I tell you, Rise that, of the Tomb Raider this year. Uh, yeah, Rise of the Tomb Raider was my show's game of the year. The year it came out, um, but I, I don't think this this game lives up to the to the. Or it's basically more of the same, so it didn't really stand out for me. Yeah, which so, I think yeah. is a little bit uh, the the criticism you can level at Shadow the Tomb Raider uh, from everything I've heard. Olivia, isn't it yeah, a little bit more? Of the I same? think that that is. I think that's a completely valid criticism. Like I, I have nothing to say against that in any way, shape, or form. I just freaking love Rise, so I was really happy <laughs> to get more to have of more the same. of the same. Yeah, I yeah. guess the one thing well, we can that's mention. The thing, so. I don't ahead, even Ross. know if you could. Well, I mean, I guess it could necessarily be a criticism, but if you've already got a really good, enjoyable product, like why change it? Because the thing that I thought stood out about Shadow of the Tomb Raider this year was actually the story and the idea of the way that they kicked it off with instead of Lara, you know, being the big hero, she actually kind of starts the apocalypse. Like she's trying to help, but then it's like, whoops, guess I shouldn't have touched that. And <laughs> I thought that was a, I thought that was a really neat spin on the story of the Tomb Raiders. Like it was her final like how she gets to where she is she makes this big mistake in order to kind of finally become the tomb raider and so i thought that the story was the strength of shadow that was put on top of already great gameplay that everybody really loved so mm. it's more of the same tomb raider but with a, a really good story on top of it oh, i have yeah, to play I couldn't, it i couldn't agree I more it. yeah it's great i mean i couldn't agree more with you with you Justin. it's it's like the story is is compelling gameplay wise it is absolutely more of the same. But yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's great. 
Um, yeah, it's good same. Good, yeah, good same. Uh, that that's a good way of putting it. I actually have Shadow of the Tomb Raider, and I didn't play it. I bought it during the Black Friday sales sale on on PlayStation. And I got Shadow of the Tomb Raider and Assassin's Creed Odyssey, uh, which this is a perfect uh, uh, transition into. And I didn't play Shadow of the Tomb Raider because I started playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey expecting nothing. Uh, just, you know, I didn't like uh, Origins from last year. I, it didn't, I played it for 10 hours, maybe. It didn't grab me so much. And I started playing Odyssey and I was like, okay, I'll play a little bit more, a, a little bit more. And I just, I never stopped. And I enjoyed every second of my time playing it. I, I must be, I don't know, 30 hours in and I'm nowhere near uh, done. And uh, I think one of the reasons why I liked it so much was that I was at the time playing Red Dead Redemption 2 and kind of forcing my brain into a shape that would uh, uh, enjoy Red Dead Redemption 2, which I, I do. I do kind of enjoy it, and I do want to get back to it. But playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey after that felt like, oh my god, this is what, what fun feels like. And And the game is so complex and layers upon layers of systems that are each super fun. Um, I... I don't understand why I didn't realize. It's almost, I'll say it like this. I don't understand why more people aren't raving about it. I know a lot of people are, but everyone should be raving about this game. It is tremendous. It's an incredible achievement. I think it's because it has the Assassin's Creed title on it. And people don't realize that it's completely different than Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed 2 and 3 and Brotherhood. Well, it's and all not different games. from so Origins. It's kind of very similar. It's, it's kind of like the Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. With, with Origins, actually. But I think it's I think it is much better than Origins. Yeah, mm. I, I think that I think it's that writing and story that really brings it that elevates it really. Yeah. Because yeah. like the especially if you play as Cassandra, like playing as her is like a completely different experience than than Vayek was in Origins and really any Assassin's Creed uh uh protagonist before. And you can't, you, I don't think you can. As, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, please. I, I, was, I was curious if anyone has played it as not, I actually can't even remember the other person's name. Alexios? Alexios, thank yeah. you. <laughs> How does I, that compare to playing it as Cassandra? Every, I, I didn't play, I jumped to uh, Cassandra because everyone was saying, uh, actually, there are two reasons. First, everyone was saying she was much better. And the second reason is kind of a half militant thing. Um, which was I've always felt a little bit uncomfortable playing female characters in games. And I thought, you know what? Maybe I should force myself a little bit and see if I... Not uncomfortable, that's not the right word, but, uh, uh, you know, it felt a little bit weird and different. And, uh, and maybe I should force myself to do it a little bit and see how it feels. And it turns out it was amazing and I loved it. And I've, I'm sort of in a place, uh, personally, where... I'm fine doing it now, but I don't know. I thought it was, it was, that's the reason I went with Cassandra. The game does a really interesting thing by making that choice matter and actually plays into the story itself. Uh, I don't want to spoil that for anybody, but it's, it's a really cool thing they do in the game where the character you didn't pick is still featured in the game. Um, and I will also say that I think that we shouldn't discount the addition of uh, dialogue choice into this franchise because mm. uh, Origins didn't have that. 
it's a huge improvement for me and it really brings the game into full role playing i mean it this game and i know this is sacrilege to a lot of people but i think it outwitchers the witcher i think this is <laughs> for me better than the witcher 3 uh, it is a more fun game than the witcher 3 which is one of my favorite role playing games of all time so um assassin's creed odyssey is extraordinary and yeah. i'm still playing it 60 hours in i want to do everything i i have such fun in the world the density of things to do and things to discover my curiosity is always rewarded it's a it's an excellent game it's an excellent game I love if anything it. there's too much of it if there's any criticism you can level at it is that it, it's it's too long uh which isn't really criticism but uh joss did yeah. you play it I, oh go ahead olivia no, sorry i was about to say just like i completely agree with you like i think for me part of the part of the reason i haven't sunk more time into it and part of the reason it's not higher on my list uh is not only i think the the attachment of that assassin's creed title to it does do it a massive disservice um because to me it's categorized with those other assassin's creed games which as a play style as a series as a system like the over the overarching assassin's creed system i found less compelling than other games if they had just taken that out and made it like an open like a witcher-esque rpg i would probably have be I, that would probably be number one i'd probably have played like several hundred hours of it this year <laughs> um but yeah and i every time i talk every time i hear someone talk about it i'm like oh man i really want to go in and me and my bird and go and do some more stuff but and it's it's really fun and i think yeah. the only reason it's in position three for me is because of the assassin's greediness of it fair enough joss do you want to conclude this uh part well and i mean like i don't even know if you want me to to conclude this part because to be honest i didn't even buy this game oh I okay so... sorry i thought you played it okay <laughs> no, well... <laughs> i was i was so burnt by origins that i just like i was so excited for egypt and i got into it and i'm like this is terrible i don't even think i made it past the first town and i was just like i can't do it I, this is not fun so when this came out i was like okay they got me with egypt i was super stoked to go to egypt greece is like would be amazing but i'm like no you burnt me with origins i'm not gonna do I, it <laughs> i was i was rave about it yeah I, I was almost on uh in that boat uh and then i jumped when the friday uh, black friday sales uh happened and i jumped off of boat boat and i i was uh, uh i swam to a greek isle and was comforted by the warmth of uh, the war between sparta and uh, the athenians and uh, that... <laughs> i do think that there's something to be said about time too right like especially like when you see some of these games and you know that you're gonna have to spend you know 50 That's 60 true. 70 hours in something yeah. i'm just like where I mean, am I going to find this chunk of I, time, even if I can find a deal on Odyssey? Like, where, I, when I do I play say, this? That's true. But I always say, even if you spend, you know, 15 hours in the game, even if you don't complete it, it's still a, a tremendously fun 15 hours. So, right. Um, all right. Let's talk about Subnautica. It's $30 right now. $30. You can't honestly. It's $30 on Green Man Gaming. $30 right for 15 hours. That's two bucks an hour. That's a great deal. That you can't, so you know, like that's... 60 in Canadian then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Subnautica is another game that a lot of people have been talking about. Um, it's essentially a, a, well, can you describe it, Joss? And then uh, uh, others can, can talk about it too. Oh, sorry, it's, not it's Joss. I meant... This... Oh, yeah, go that, I was going to say, it's Olivia's, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's your game, Olivia. It sounds like it's everyone's, so Joss, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's this really cool, like... Um, survival base building type game but the the huge twist is the fact that it's underwater 
that you have to try to gather all of your supplies from the surrounding area like any other survival game. But then there's this underwater part to it that makes it feel so much more dangerous and unknown because it's like it's throwing you outside of your element that much more by making you go underwater. I think it took me a good like hour to go like more than an arm's length away from my <laughs> little like survival pod. I was so scared that I was gonna like drown or get eaten by a shark and I just kept going a little bit further, a little bit further. And it was this like it had this anxiety piece to it but in a good way like it was like it kept my adrenaline going which is a really weird given the type of game that it is like you're not really like shooting anything you're not you know it's not like a first person shooter type action oriented game but it gave me those feelings at the same time it was it's so the good. it's the six degrees of freedom right yeah basically like the fact that you can go up and down as well as in all four directions in your in in front of you like that is what changes not only your the way you look at the world, but also the the fear that is instilled upon you. Because oh oh, sh sorry oh crap, a a shark can come attack me from below, and I'm not even looking at that because I'm swimming towards this uh piece of the piece of kelp that I need really badly mm -hmm. to build the next <laughs> thing. Yeah, <laughs> I it's interesting how you guys so describe it because I I honestly yes, there are moments of uh being attacked or or feeling scared or feeling tense but for me the the fundamental experience that i had with subnautica was this serene beauty and exploration element and i have to admit yeah. i played the entire game with uh needing to feed myself turned off uh i mm. i'm not a huge fan of survival games I don't like the tick, 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 tick of the timer saying, yeah, you got to feed yourself pretty soon. Got to feed yourself pretty soon. So I was very happy that that option was available and I could turn that off and I could just explore. And yes, I still had to deal with oxygen and uh, other requirements to keep, you know, going deeper and deeper. But uh, I didn't feel that as much tension. And I think the most beautiful thing about the game for me is how it unveils itself over time. How it really does feel like as you get farther and farther away from safety, you're you're uncovering new and incredible things that I was constantly amazed by and how this story, the storytelling in the game is so well done. It's so beautifully subtle and it, it doesn't feel, it feels like I'm discovering the story, even though the game designers have very cleverly placed these benchmarks that I will see in a certain order. But to me, I didn't, it didn't feel like it was being laid out to me. It felt like I was discovering it as I went. It's an, it's an awesome game. And I highly recommend people play it in VR if you have a chance. To yeah, talk, to point out the thing you're talking about, about you don't, didn't do food and water. Like, I think that's the way the game is meant to be played. At least the first time you play it, uh, the food and water thing was like a late addition during early access. And so I think that's definitely oh. the way, like, you are intended to the guy originally intended the original concept of the game no don't feel bad i don't like i refuse to feel i refuse to be made to feel bad by playing a yeah. game on a quote-unquote easier setting <laughs> and jeff i i'm so 100 percent in agreement with you I, I i actually played the game having watched people stream it on twitch that's how i found out about it i didn't really like see it coming and i i 
had an absolute, I have a burning love as a human in the real world of being underwater. I love scuba diving so much, I can't tell you. And so my experience with the game was polar opposite to yours, Joss, where I- <laughs> well, Underwater I, in, terrifies me, so I- <laughs> I immediately, <laughs> I was like, a lot. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, I have this boat thing. But I can just, and I, all of these people were like freaking out about the fish. And I was just like, I'm just going to swim. And I streamed it. I streamed my early gameplay with it. And my entire chat was saying, Olivia, you're drowning. Olivia, you're drowning. Olivia, you're drowning. <laughs> and I drowned like eight or nine times because I was just like, oh my God, this is so yeah. beautiful. <laughs> and Jeff, like as he was, I, this, I didn't even know there was a story. Like I didn't know there was a story when I bought the game. And so I was just like, it's a fish exploration game. I'm just so happy about this. Like I, I didn't, and so the story came out of nowhere. Like I didn't even so know great. it was there. Yeah. And it like, oh, it was just fantastic. Like I, I like thinking about that game now, I'm just like, man. And Jeff, I, you, I, you need to tell me immediately which VR headset to buy to play it underwater. Because I've, I've been like hovering <laughs> over the buy button on VR. It's Oculus. Okay, great. Done. Sold. I played um, it on Oculus. It, it, it only supports a, a regular controller, which usually to me is, is a, a bummer. But in this game, it was absolutely perfect. It, I sat in a chair and I just felt like I had a real scuba apparatus on my face i was looking all around it it, it it you know you would come up out of the water and little drip droplets would come across your vision and the 3d of the environment it was gorgeous it's a really big bummer to me that it has just been released on playstation and it does not support playstation vr at least not oh, yet it doesn't because it does not no it's a big oh. huge bummer um, that is a great because I, I have it I on really, playstation but oh and by the way yeah, before I, before I forget, it is free on the Epic Game Store until the 27th. So if you're listening to this before the 27th, you can actually get it for free on the Epic yeah. Game Store, which is kind wow. of mind-blowing. But That's amazing. Yeah, and I think for me, like the... the I, I absolutely like I've been I've been going backwards and forwards between the Oculus and the Vive. The only thing stopping me like buying one immediately was that I'm like, I have a suspicion we're going to get a Vive upgrade early next year. But, mm. um, but yeah, I think the... I I loved that game so much, and I think that that's a game where I was always like, I'm I'm going to come back to this because I haven't actually completed. I don't feel like I've got to the end of the story yet. Like I still feel like there's a lot left out there for me to discover, um, and I'm very excited to get back into that game and discover all of that great story. <laughs> This was the game on my list that was going to be like nobody's got this one. Nobody else. <laughs> this is the big surprise one, but uh, I'm I'm so cool, so glad you guys are all on that page. I, I think I completely agree with you, Jeff, when you're talking about the the Zen kind of uh, moments. Like at the beginning, like you're kind of terrified of how expansive this water area is, and uh, like uh, I think Josh was saying, like going like more than a couple feet from your boat. But <laughs> later on, you like as you start exploring new areas and just admiring the scenery and the art and the colors of this underwater ecosystem, multiple different ecosystems, it definitely, you definitely slide into more of like just kind of soaking it all in as you, as you play. It's incredible. All right. Uh, I've played it for two hours. I guess I have to get back to it now um, and get Vermintide too. Uh, last one, uh, Detroit become human. I'm guessing, uh, Joss, you were uh, uh, basically cheering when she mentioned it. Um, <laughs> so you also liked it. Uh, why is this game good and why did I not 
finish it. Uh, I've got to go back to Olivia, though, because it's her game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's a you question, Patrick. That's a you yeah, question. Yeah, I can't answer that for you, Patrick. No, I can't, I can't, I can't answer that one for you either. I, for me, this was a complete departure from my usual gameplay style, and I found that really interesting that I found this gameplay so compelling. I think the... Um, the thing that the sort of it awoke a, it awoke a completionist in me who wanted who found that story and I am not typically a story person. Um, I actively dislike stories in most games. I'm a story snob and a generally terrible human. But this one, <laughs> this one, it really grabbed me. It sunk its claws in really quickly, really early. Um, the I love all of the shows like you know Westworld and. Uh, the human show on which is currently on prime now and it's an english show all of these sort of questions about ethics and how do we get from this robots humans divide and how do we bring that closer and it just really grabbed me the story this is a story game i, I if i was being unkind i would call it a walking simulator um but it's exactly in the same vein as all of those other games and it, it's just a fantastic story uh, and i really don't want to spoil it for you patrick now that i know you've only played so little of it <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's i mean the the completionist aspect that you mentioned i think is brought on by the fact that very cleverly they give you the map of all the choices you could have made during one of the chapters yes. and it kind of it it's incredible like i think everyone agrees if you had told people before they actually experience it that this is what they would want to do. People would have said, but I don't want to know. I want to maintain the illusion of reality and that I don't know what choices, blah, blah, blah. But in, in when you actually play through it, it feels like it's opening up the possibilities instead of, yeah. of uh, restricting them, which is kind of incredible. I uh, yeah, uh, I couldn't yeah. agree more with that. And I think that that was, that was a surprise to me. That was like what I mean when it as part of me i i feel like i can talk about the very first demo level without being called out for making spoilers sure. in the very first part of the very first level when you first walk into this room you have a story fork there and i played that demo <laughs> like i wanted to I, i found this like part of me that really wanted to unlock all of the outcomes available from just that very first demo level and it was a constant piece of frustration to me that I couldn't get this early fork and it didn't alter an, an eventual outcome, but my God, I wanted to find it. And uh, you have to rescue the fish. You have to stand there and wait <laughs> for the fish to fall out of the fish tank and then rescue it. And I eventually figured it out and I was so happy and it made no difference. And I was just like, what has this game done to me? And it's, uh, it is a, I highly recommend it. It's a, I bought it on two, two platforms now. Um, and I would buy it on Switch. If it came out on Switch, please put it out on Switch. I would buy it on Switch immediately. <laughs> and play it again. Uh, Joss, yes. it's also on your list, I believe. It is, yes. And I think for me, the the big criticism that I often have with a lot of the, the titles like Wolf Among Us, Walking Dead, all the things where you're supposed to feel like you're playing through a story and your choices matter and your dialogue matters, but it never really felt like it did. Whereas I think the the flowcharts that Detroit gave you was brilliant because you can see, even though it feels like the first playthrough was like the right playthrough, I would see at the end after the, I'd done my flowchart to be like, oh my God, there were literally 10 other ways to play this level. And my choices mattered. They made my characters different. Character Like main characters could die. Halfway through, you can lose one of the three main characters. It's insane. I have literally never played a dialogue-driven story game like Detroit Become Human. And if you haven't played it, if you hadn't made it all the way through, I just, I, I really, I couldn't put it down. I played it like 
three days straight. I found I just like 10 hours at a time, just like I need to keep going. I need to see how this ends. Like I <laughs> yeah. just need to do this. And I, I could not put it down. It deserves all the praise because it was a brilliant story. I have to get back Absolutely to it. Absolutely yeah. agree. Yeah, you have to, Patrick. Like I, I this is it's rare to me that I would say that to someone. I, I'm very much I'm a strong believer that there is no absolute good. There is everything is subjective, everything is opinion-based, every person's experience is different. But my God, this is a good one. Um, <laughs> and I think it's you know, it's one of those where and I, I just I don't know if you've played the 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 earlier quantic games of like the uh, heavy rain. Heavy rain? Uh, yes, I did, yeah. And beyond two souls. I feel like this yeah, Beyond Two Souls. Um, and I feel like this is like, they've evolved and they've like really figured out how to do this kind of game. And this is that, this is their new zenith of like, this is defining what that kind of game can be. Um, mm -hmm. And like, it's so good. And I, I was horrified to lose someone. I'm, I'm not spoilers, uh, but to your point of you can lose the main three. Yeah, I did. And I was just like, oh my God. Wow! Like, I, and I this and, it, like, and the story keeps going. It's not yes. like they're like, oh, okay, you kill the main character, like restart. It's like, no, like, okay, so that person doesn't exist in the world anymore. What does that world look like? And yeah. the game just carries on, and it feels so interesting and realistic because they're able to build a story that can do that, where you can have these crazy swings and like what happens if a person like lives or dies, and what does the world look like? And they actually dove into that question. It was just, yeah. it was amazing. And I think that's Patrick, more to your point of not actually playing through more than a couple hours, I did feel like there was like a breaking point with this game after they kind of uh, introduced the characters and then finally kind of the story gets underway. It takes, I think, about two chapters with each of the main characters before the story really kind of ramps up. So maybe that's what you're experiencing is just like the beginning where they're introducing the ideas in the world is a little bit slow, but it, it picks up very quickly after that. Yeah, you know, it's like, I don't think we mentioned it enough, but this year is so, I, I thought 2017 was couldn't be topped. I don't think 2018 tops it, but there, there are just so many games, so many great games. I'm like, like Ed was saying earlier, I can't, you know, decide which ones to play and some of them just, but I'll, I'll have to get back to it, I guess. Um, all right. So that's your list. Uh, let's move on to, so we had the Warhammer, Warhammer Vermintide 2, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Subnautica, and Detroit Become Human, which by the way, I love how the enthusiasms you guys bring to all of these titles, because each of them I want to play, and those that I've already played, I want to go play them again. It's I I I love how awesome games are nowadays. Um, all right, Jeff, what is your full list, and then we'll talk about the games. Well, uh, I didn't think I would have to talk about God of War uh, because I figured somebody <laughs> else was going to talk about God of War, but it turns out uh, this is a this is a very eclectic group of uh, opinions, which I love, and I've loved uh, the games we've talked about so far. I didn't. Didn't expect. That's cool. Um, but God of War, I think, is the best game of the year for me. Um, and for the myriad reasons. I, I, I think it is. It really Just pushes. Give us, give us your full list and then we'll get back to each game because I'm sure everyone has opinions about each one. Oh, OK. Um, Subnautica, Spider-Man, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Astrobot Res Rescue Mission and God of War. All um, right. In no particular order. No, in a very particular order. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was five to one. <laughs> okay, uh, so 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 uh, yeah, I think that I think that God of War for me was was the best game of the year. I think it's the game that 
pushes the genre, pushes the the industry forward in a real in really interesting ways. Uh, the decision to have the game be one continuous shot that never is edited is extraordinary. It was very difficult. It's seemingly inconsequential, but it was everything for me. I think it, it, it the the story is told with such artistry. I cried playing it. Um, I mean, I am a father of a son. It is a game about fathers and sons. And so I'm, I guess, more inclined to have it resonate with me. But I think it is beautifully told. It is one of the most visually impressive video games ever made. And I think that would probably be enough. But the underlying game mechanics are the best, the best, the best combat I have ever played in a video game. It is the best combat in a third-person action game I have ever played. Uh, tons of options all the time. Thrilling, uh, never boring, uh, constantly evolving, a huge game with tons to do, awe-inspiring moments, a great relationship with NPCs. It has everything, and I'm in awe of it. It is, uh, it, it is my game of the year, and it probably is in my easily my top three games of all time wow okay i mean it's definitely in my game of the year's list as well and i guess it's just the two of us because everyone else didn't play it which is kind of mind-blowing and i'm i'm also uh, very happy about because it's a, a lot of different things for a lot of different people um but i have I, to interject patrick i i did play it right i played right, a lot of it and i really didn't like <laughs> it you didn't like it <laughs> fair enough um <laughs> I, I kind of I understand how people could not like it because you know you don't like AAA open ish world experiences because they're a little bit too uh, commonplace. But unless that's a factor for you, it's it's such an amazingly realized game and world, and it seems like everything is just right. Not you know. Uh, uh, I don't know, like when you're talking about, I'm saying open-ish world, because it's not like it litters your entire map with tons of stuff to do. It's just right. It has enough stuff to do to keep you motivated, to go take you on distractions if you want to, but still keep the, the thing coherent and manageable. Um, the story might be a little bit too long. Um, it, it could, They could have chopped off maybe five hours out of it, I, I guess but i still enjoyed all of it and it's one of the very few games where when i finished the story i kept going to to kill all of the uh the the Val valkyries uh because i just enjoyed the gameplay of it so much i mean the axe is one of the best weapons in any video game ever and following up on the chains of olympus which were also an incredibly emblematic um, weapon uh, of the game of the world of gaming was no small feat and they managed and it feels so um uh, uh, visceral and olivia you were talking about how good vermintide feels earlier for me god of war has that same kind of 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 brutal uh a feeling feedback that makes you that immerses you into the game and it's it's kind of an amazing accomplishment of what games can be today it's of course one type of game but it's kind of the the top of the game of that type of game and um and i think we also should mention uh, and i'm curious to get your guys's you guys's and girls thought of this maybe even more god of war was such a an adolescent uh, a teenager 
game you know it was it came in a time where it was like haha you can you know get in the bath with the naked ladies and and kratos was angry all the time and killing and blood and and with no deeper reflection or, or meaning and and in a meta way this game is kind of a commentary on what it was before with Kratos living this life behind and and being much more mature and and the themes or maybe not the themes but at least the way it uh approaches its story is um incredibly Uh, different from the way it did in the previous games and that alone is kind of a maybe in the same way that Tomb Raider rebooted the franchise God of War also is rebooting that entire series in an incredibly satisfying way Um, so I'm curious if that you know uh, spoke to you in any way uh, Jocelyn and Olivia but for me it was definitely an achievement yeah I think for me it was I, I think that you know I I, I have this sort of difficult dissonance with this game because everything you're saying, I'm like, yeah, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I can totally see that. And I can totally sympathize with that. And it's actually, it's hard to disagree with anything you're saying about this game. Um, and, you know, when I watch the VGAs and when I've seen other people have these same conversations, it's, I've had the same reaction of like, yeah, I can, I can see how that's accurate. But it drove me crazy. I just couldn't. I wanted to like it. I wanted to love it. And I wanted to have that, that feeling of that like happiness and that like the value that you're talking about. But I just, I couldn't engage with it. It was so, um, and I think it's part of the problem with that, that God of War had for me was actually 2017, the year in games um, where you had so many games and this is sort of, you know, slight political things. So apologies for that. All the people who don't like hearing about that, but Um, I had, there were so many games where I could see myself represented in the game and have all of that good stuff. Um, and to me then that kind of has raised the bar for those games of like, I want to be able to be powerful and to have compelling story. And I want to be able to see myself represented in games. And I, after 2017, we've had so many good proof of concepts of that, that I can have all of that. I can, as a lady who loves playing video games. So now you want life, it. Now I want it. That's the new Which bar. Horizon fair, Zero yeah. Dawn is the new bar for me. Well, mm. Horizon Zero Dawn and many other games are the new bar for me. <laughs> Joss, Joss is clapping. <laughs> that was my, that was my game of the year from last year. So yeah, yeah nothing will ever yeah. top that. I, yeah. I think and it I, might have know, been mine as well. Cool. Horizon was incredible. It was. And I think that's that to me is why I, I think it's not that God of War isn't a stellar game. It's that it's not, I don't have that feeling of representation. I don't have that feeling of excitement. And, and additionally, just as an aside, the kid drove me freaking crazy. <laughs> I, I was like, that was one of my earliest memories well, from like that, picking up that game. It's like, can I just leave it to die? Can I just carry on without it? Is that an option? I was, no. I was going to say, uh, this is an accurate representation of what it is to actually have a kid. But that was when you were saying, it, the kid drove me crazy. Not the second <laughs> part of your... <laughs> not the no, kid I, I leave that about my real kid. You never thought that about your real kid? Give it a couple of years. Um, all right. Uh, so, Joss, unless you want to add something, I think we can move on. Um, I'm good. Uh, you're good. So, Subnautica, we already talked about. Spider-Man um, is also a game that I think is worthy of praise. Uh, I-, I know, Jeff, you're, uh, uh, according to the consecrated uh, phrase, a Marvel zombie from way back. 
And obviously, Indeed. you loved Spider Man. Yes, uh, it is. Uh, it's sublime <laughs> to be able to swing around like Spider Man, and uh, I think the uh, storytelling is better than most of the Spider Man films. And it, uh, it it's all about swinging through that city, man. It, there's they nailed that, and uh, there's so much fun stuff to do in that game. It is. Uh, it's an amazing thing to have a year in video games where a game that good is that low on my list, but <laughs> there we are. I think the, the, the first moment when you swing through the city, like they, they, the, the, the screen shows you Spider-Man swinging and then it slows down and it says, press R2 and, and you start swinging yourself. It's like, Oh my God, I'm actually going to be doing this, like controlling it in that way. It's, Uh, an what everyone said you know it puts you in the costume yourself and makes you feel like spider-man it's the most contrived way of describing the game at this point but it's true um and i think the, the one thing i didn't expect it's also on my list by the way um the thing i didn't expect was the the story which you mentioned it takes a little bit of a little while to to pick up but especially when you've completed it 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 is Uh, 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 an emotional thing and the characters have grown on you and these versions of those characters that you know are incredibly well realized and those uh, takes are just as valid as any other take you've seen in any other medium in any movie in any comic um and and the love that they have for the series is uh uh kind of shines through uh, It's it's kind of crazy year for Spider Man between this and and Into the Spider Verse, which is a really good movie as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's I'm I'm with you, Jeff, on this again. It's crazy that this game is kind of almost an afterthought in people's favorite games uh, of the year, and uh, that's a testament to the quality of this year. Yeah, it's it's great. Um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, we talked about as well. Astrobot Rescue Mission, I played through half of this. It's a VR, PlayStation VR game, uh, and it's on your list. A VR game is one of your favorite games of the year. Number two. One of two? Oh, Subnautica, right, because you can... Well, I said a... number two. Number two. Oh, it's number, number two, two, sorry. My second favorite game of the year. Incredible. Uh, yeah, and I think it's... there's, a, there's a, a very real argument that it's the best game of the year. <laughs> I think it's extraordinary. It, most people are never going to play this game. Um, that's a shame. That's a real shame. Most people don't have I've a PlayStation. I've never even game. heard of this game. But What this is, is this game? It's a it's a platformer on PlayStation VR, a Sony exclusive platformer on PlayStation VR. It kind of grew out of a tech demo that shipped with the PlayStation VR when it first launched that was just sort of a proof of concept of some some ideas of what a platformer may be like and the The tech demo was so cool that they grew it into its own game and absolutely knocked it out of the park. Um, I have said numerous times on my show that if this game had a Nintendo logo on it and starred Mario instead of the little Astrobot, everybody would be saying it was game of the year and everybody would be saying VR is the future. Nintendo nailed it. They figured it out. <laughs> this is game of the year. <laughs> Uh, but it's it's flying under everybody's radar because it's an IP that nobody knows or cares about, and it's on PlayStation VR exclusively. So, um, but it is one of the best platformers I've ever played. It is constantly throwing new fantastic ideas at you. It uses 
VR in a way I've never seen anybody use it. Uh, I mean, there are other VR platformers, Lucky's Tale, for example, uh, but this embraces VR. It places the action all around you and is is constantly inventing new thrilling ways to have you interact with the environment. It's gorgeous. It's super. It's the most fun I've had playing a video game all year. Pure fun, pure joy. This game. It, it makes you smile. Um, yeah. I think I think that's the game that made me hope that Sony isn't giving up on VR and that they will release their whatever their next console is with a VR headset as an option. Um, I, I'm not saying VR is definitely going to be here to stay, but I want them to keep going at it because they're getting to a point where uh, it has value that nothing else has. Um, I, I like this game very much as well. Ed, you you wanted to add something? Yeah, uh, so I, I haven't played it because I don't have a, a VR headset, um, but I'm getting one for Christmas, so I will oh, be playing it go. before the end of the year, and it has a, it's obviously in contention for my favorite games of the year, but um, I, I will say that from from I, people I've observed playing it and, and uh, listening to them talk about it, uh, they say that it is a powerful uh, VR experience and one that kind of helps make you realize why VR could be something in the future. Uh, there's a couple other games um, that have come out recently, or not not even recently, but come out for VR that are like this, like Super Hot VR is an example, um, Beat Saber, stuff like that. But uh, oh, Astrobot, Astro, yeah, yeah. Uh, Astrobot is, is a magical experience. Um, but like Jeff said, it's only for PSVR. So uh, there is, I, I will just go ahead and mention that there is uh, the $200 PSVR with Moss and Astrobot um, bundle is co- is back for the Christmas season. So if that's something you're uh, interested in, um, then I feel free to go pick it up from that. And and Moss is wonderful as well. It's a, yeah, it's, it is. A, it's, a, it's a very charming game for sure. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think uh, you guys uh, in the U.S. are the ones who get that bundle. We don't in Europe, uh, and that's a shame because it's the one I would recommend. I think for two hundred bucks, if you're you know, in the very slightest way, curious about VR, then that will is the one to get. Uh, if you have a PlayStation Four, of course. So, yeah, it's it's a, a game that makes v, that takes advantage of VR in in a way that few others do. I've played Moss. I didn't love it. I thought it was just you're you're just observing thing. What Astrobot does is that it it creates concepts you you keep referencing nintendo about this game jeff and it does the same gameplay innovations that nintendo does that make people go oh this is so clever and fun which very few other developers um manage to implement in their games so i'm i'm i agree it's it's kind of an uh, amazing game i don't go quite as far as you do in in its praise but it's definitely something to to give a try if you're interested and I think that's it. I mean, we talked about Assassin's Creed Odyssey already. Uh, so let's move on to Jocelyn. What are your favorite games of the year? Well, we've already talked about two of them. So we talked about Detroit Become Human as well as Subnautica, which were definitely on my list. But I found with, uh, and it might have been a little bit of burnout from 2017 because there were so many games to play that were these big, massive experiences. 
I found in 2018, I kind of went a little bit more into the like smaller experiences, the indie titles, that kind of stuff. So um, for oh, I'm me, really hoping I had... you're going to say something that I hope you're going to say. Keep going. Oh, no. Now, now I'm worried I picked the wrong one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I really enjoyed Frostpunk. Mm, oh. Yeah. Overcooked. So depressing, too. though. I literally just gasped, <laughs> Jocelyn. I literally was just like... <gasps> <laughs> i love that game too but i, I found it so depressing <laughs> it's definitely this like um apocalyptic dystopian type um alternate past it's not even future so um but it was i yeah i thought it was really fun but then yeah overcooked 2 is another one and then uh, my final one is actually sea of thieves which i'm expecting what? to have to like defend the crud out of <laughs> but bear with me <laughs> so who else has played frostpunk in this group me me, yeah, me. Uh, oh wow <laughs> those were not enthusiastic me's uh, uh, that was for me. uh, uh olivia you you have to go pretty soon so can you tell us what you thought about frostpunk I, i'm beginning to think that jocelyn and i actually are actually soulmates um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so i loved i loved frostpunk i man i loved the world i loved the art i loved the style i i didn't find it i didn't find it depressing maybe it's because of you know my being english we're, we're sort of we're a bit more of a, a low-key group of humans um so <laughs> our, maybe our bar for depressing is a little bit different um, well you also I, are on record as wanting to abandon a child <laughs> that is true I mean, those, yeah. those are the kind maybe, of decisions uh, that you make all the time in and i think it was i loved the sort of it felt very dickensian to me it felt very um i i i don't know i loved it the same sort of like i, I could have it could have been a like a shackleton uh, sorry i'm referencing a lot of historical stuff i loved the historic vibe of the game is i think what i'm really saying i loved the the difficult decisions i loved the prioritization i it's a kind of a foray into i've only played a couple of similar genre games to frostpunk and so it's kind of a new uh move into that space for me i definitely had a couple of friends who were more experienced with them saying that it was far too easy um being a noob i didn't suffer from that at all um <laughs> i and i really i just i the, i think the sort of the thing that i loved the most of it was sort of the the art style and the feeling of trying to survive in a in an oppressive world Mm, that seems like I was with you up until that point. Uh, <laughs> the, the 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 stress of this makes me. I almost wanted to go buy it, and then I'm like, ah, oh, maybe not. Um, I'm gonna go back to Joss because it's her game. Uh, but you have to go, Olivia. Before you leave, I want to ask you one question: Have you played Celeste? I have not played Celeste. No. All right, I've watched other people play it a great deal the ultra difficult platformer i'm not a very patient person and i get frustrated very easily um so i tend not to touch them mm, as and okay. so haven't well i won't I, i'll talk about it a little bit more but i think there might be something in it for you uh, it's it's <laughs> it's uh anyway we'll, we'll talk about that then but you have to go. Thank you so much for uh, uh, spending a little bit of time with us and sharing your very eclectic selection. Um, <laughs> do you want to tell people where they can find you if they want to? Yeah, get in absolutely. Touch? Thank you so much for having me, Patrick. It's always a pleasure to come with you guys, and I really, I really enjoy out with this wider group of amazing podcasters um and thank you for having little old me who really doesn't do anything in the content creation space anymore <laughs> so i really appreciate the invite and it's been great to meet jocelyn and jeff and ed as well um i can be found on twitter at olivia d grace um and on twitch at olivia 
and on Instagram at Olivia D Grace. And those are really the only places I put anything anymore. So, so don't go hunting for me elsewhere. Um, but yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure and really great to meet you. I'm looking forward to listening to the rest of this podcast when it's posted <laughs> so I can hear everything everyone else has to say. Perfect. Thank you very much. I'll include the link uh, to your Twitter account in the show notes, of course. Have a lovely rest of the day. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thanks. So getting back to Frostpunk and Joss, why do you love being depressed so much, I guess, is the question. I feel like maybe I... I see this as more like hopeful i don't know i oh, never really? felt okay. depressed playing this it's like um so the idea of this it's like a, a city building survival kind of strategy type game where you have to like manage your resources and your most basic so, resource some of which is some of which being apparently children which you have to sacrifice to keep growing your city <laughs> if i understand correctly uh so yeah well, you sure. don't have to and that that's <laughs> kind of the point is that you um make laws that will impact the way your city will run and grow so you can you know decide to help refugees or not help refugees because you don't have as many resources you can put children to work in the mine and you you can do those things but you don't have to do those things you can build your city in a different way so that you don't have to make those super hard decisions and you don't have to resort to child labor and so there is like a <laughs> There is a lot of strategy to it. And the whole idea is you are the like the last group of survivors from in 1886. So it's all very, I can't tell from the name. It's all very steampunky. And uh, you have moved north where the British have apparently stored a lot of coal. And you're using this like last ditch effort generator to try to build a city around and the idea is that after this volcanic eruption the whole entire world has been engulfed in this winter and you have to try to survive the extreme cold which is another it's it's kind of the driving force behind the game is the cold so it will get warmer and colder over a cycle and you can see the weather coming and so you have to try to make sure that you've built your city big enough to support everyone but small enough that you can still heat it so it was this the really cool like push and pull and they also launched it with three different scenarios so in the first scenario you're very much just attempting to to build the new london basically um and the you do have to make your decisions and everything else but it, it's fairly straightforward it's just you know like survive until after the massive storm but the other two scenarios it launched with are really interesting where you have a group of scholars that you have to attempt to keep power and heat to three different arcs of they're basically full of seeds. So the idea is that once the planet warms up again, you have all of the seeds that you'll need to like restart the ecosystems. So you have to make sure, again, you're like managing three separate areas that you have to keep heated. And then finally, you have a, a refugee scenario where you have to constantly be um, either accepting or not of all these different refugees. And you have to try to basically grow your civilization, civilization as big as you possibly can without running out of resources. So I think it launched with a really strong system and really strong scenarios that played through and felt very different. And then they even did one more scenario that they released, I think, in September that was, again, a totally different way to play the game. 
uh, that involved you essentially taking over a city that had failed. So you discovered this other city and you had to like the the um, inhabitants had killed their leader and were like, well, now what do we do? And you <laughs> take over and and kind of like try to fix all of the mistakes already. So the fact that they gave out a free DLC of another scenario, I think, was also something that should be recognized. And I had a great time. I thought it was challenging and it was another game that I just I couldn't put down. You make a good case for it. I think the only, <laughs> the only thing that would still make me not want to play it is the fact that maybe it's a genre game, which I don't really enjoy. Um, but yeah, it seems like it, there's more to it than I initially thought. So, Jeff, why don't city, you like good games? City buildings are, are, not, are not everybody's cup of tea. <laughs> yeah. I hope that you didn't misunderstand what I said. I, I, I thought the game was excellent. I played a lot oh, of it. Oh, okay. I found it very depressing and very, I mean, I, maybe I'm just not as good uh, a player, but I constantly found myself having to make the decision to like serve my people garbage or let them die of starvation. It's like no good decision there, you know, no, no, no way to avoid horrible, horrible things to my people. And, uh, All right. It's very, it's a very melancholy world. And, and as much as I appreciate it, I love the art and I like games like that, but, um, at a certain point, I'm just like, oh, booting it up just made me feel bummed out. <laughs> mm. I have to, I have to double um, Jocelyn's praise of the post-launch support that this game has gotten, uh, because all those scenarios that she was talking about, they're all free. Like, they just come with the game. So, <laughs> uh, definitely and when you high say scenarios, it's like different modes of of yeah. So, like, this is the yeah, they're like. There's the original story mode, basically, where you go through uh, X number of days in order to survive. And then the other scenarios are kind of like, they're also kind of survival things, but they have a different twist on the way that, that the story is like trying to be told. So like the seeds right, right. thing, like if you, if you power down uh, your a generator in order to save coal or whatever and the arcs get too cold, then you fail. Right. So it's just kind of a different, different wind conditions. Yeah. Right. Wind conditions. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe I should give it another look. Uh, we'll see. Although I kind of live in frostpunk land. Right now it started <laughs> snowing a couple of days ago and essentially it's, it's pretty wonderful uh, when you look at it from inside, but it's also terrifyingly cold. And uh, it's, I guess it's the spirit of Christmas. Uh, the it's real a nice one. 60 degrees in Austin, Texas right now, Patrick. I hate you a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Overcooked 2 um, is also on your list, Joss. It's, I guess, Overcooked 1, but more of it? So I never played Overcooked 1, so maybe that's why I thought this game kind of came out of left field. But um, I had a friend just kind of say to me, he's like, oh, because it came out, I played it on the Switch. And uh, so he's like, oh, a new game came out. Do you want to try it? Did you try Overcooked? Do you want to try 2 with me? And I was like, oh, I've literally never heard of this. Let's like see what this is. And I have not had so much fun and laughed so much in a multiplayer game as I have in this, because basically if you're unfamiliar with overcooked, you have very simplistic recipes, usually having a couple of ingredients that have to go through certain stages of chopping or cooking or whatever, but you, and you have to kind of fill orders in a restaurant. Sounds very mobile gamey, right? But when you get on voice with a friend and you have to manage different sections of the kitchen. You're like throwing tomatoes at each other and, you know, like 
you'll both have plates with rice on it, but nobody's made the fish. And yeah. I don't know. I just like <laughs> I had some of the most hilarious moments that I've had in gaming this year happened playing Overcooked 2 with friends. And it's still super fun if you're playing solo, but it has like physics where you can actually like like your person has weight. So you can bump into people and throw them yeah. off their course and stuff and you get in each other's way. And it just it makes for a hilariously challenging experience playing Overcooked 2 with friends. Yeah, so Overcooked 2, like the main changes that they added were like, the ability to throw food. You couldn't do that before as well. Like you could kind of like run and then throw and then your momentum would carry the food. But now you can actually throw it. And that's like... That is like a mechanic that they've shaped their de- kitchen design around. The ability to yeah, there's things. times so like I, you're you're riding down a river on two separate rafts, and yeah. like I, you have to throw the right. ingredients to the other raft so they can chop it, and they have to throw it back so you can cook it. So and then the yeah. online play, like completely, like that's also completely new to Overcooked. Too. Like before, you had to do couch co-op. Um, and I guess and that's it, it. Really changes the game uh, for me personally because the. Uh, now I can play with my friends that live in Seattle or whatever and, and stuff like that. And before I had to like, the only time we could play is you had to drive together. to Seattle, so that yeah. wasn't yeah exactly. And I think that's the big the big uh, if they manage. I I'll confess I've played a little bit of Overcooked two and not not none of Overcooked one, but if they've managed to replicate the experience of being with your friends on a couch uh, over the internet, it's not an easy thing to do. If they manage to do it, then this is kind of an incredible achievement on its, it's own. It's like worse actually because you're like yelling <laughs> at each other over voice chat. Yeah. yeah, you're yelling at each other over voice chat. I mean, like the listeners, if we all talk at the same time, we they couldn't understand any of us. It's it's like it's and that is how you communicate when you're playing Overcooked One on the couch, and now you have to deal with that over voice chat. And so, it's it, it's worse but better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you have it on Switch or? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So, and, I and have it, it on Switch, and then I also actually bought it on PC as well because I wanted to stream it because it was so entertaining. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I bought on, it twice. <laughs> so on Switch, can you use the mic from the Switch, or do you have to use that stupid app? I think you have to just. I I, I would just like completely forgo the app and just use Discord or whatever. Yeah, I. Oh, use so that's what I'll you did honest. in that yeah. way. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I just All had right. my phone on my, on the couch next to me, and then I was just plugged into my phone and yeah, <laughs> using Discord. Exactly. Fair enough. Yeah, exactly. All right, so the last game is also a very social one. Uh, it's Sea of Thieves. How come you like this game that apparently no one in the world <laughs> enjoys? Or I guess that's not a fair characterization. I think a lot of people do enjoy it, um, but it was a disappointment for many other people. Uh, it's on your list, so you love it. It is. And and I thought that I should put this on here because exactly everything that you just said, the way you characterize Sea of Thieves, Patrick, Patrick is exactly why I thought I should mention it. Because you're saying I'm the it, problem, essentially. N- Patrick, well, you're the problem. The Internet is the problem. <laughs> OK, okay that, uh, that's we can all get behind. <laughs> yes. So I think with uh, with Sea of Thieves on launch, it wasn't all that it could be. And it was very disappointing because a lot of people had built it up to have a lot more than it did. I think anyone who was able to get into the beta or had been paying attention to kind of the launch cycle of it and everything everyone was talking to, if you were paying attention, you knew what to expect. But I don't think a lot of people were necessarily paying attention to it until Microsoft started with the Game Pass hype machine. 
And it was the first AAA title that was going to be on the Game Pass. And you could get in there and play with your friends and be a pirate. And it's amazing. And it's huge and all this stuff. And people got in there and it felt huge but empty. And the gameplay loop was fun and more fun with friends. And it was very social, which is what they were originally going for. But once the first person made it to Pirate Legend, which happened extraordinarily fast because it was a Twitch streamer that essentially got carried. And so once the first person hit Pirate Legend and then there was no extra gameplay there, a lot of people fell off the game, myself included, because it was like, well, uh, there's nothing to grind for. It was a huge grind, grind fest. There weren't a lot of ways to actually earn reputation to level up all three of your factions. So it was very, very difficult to progress in the game. And then once you actually got there, there was nothing to do. So a lot of people fell off of it. And I think when it comes to game of the year and the reason that I think that this is probably my game of the year is because they listen to the community and you could really tell that Rare felt bad for letting the community down because they took a development cycle that they were planning on releasing over two years and condensed it down into about eight months. And they've now released, I believe, four major content patches, as well as they have in-game events every couple of weeks. And the game now in December feels like if they had launched the December version of the game in March, then it probably would be everyone's game of the year. What oh, wow. is in there now is a fully fleshed out, fully realized um, game that's packed full of threats that are like NPC type threats, but are much more challenging than they were when they're first released. They packed the game full of rewards. So it's a lot easier to level up than it used to be, but not in a way that feels like they're just handing it to you. Like you still have to um, actively play. And then you also have um, alliances that they added to the game. So you can actually have like a fleet of ships now, but it's not oppressive because I also can't like, if let's say, Patrick, you and I are on a ship and then Ed and Jeff are on another ship, we can't queue into the same server. So you have to make alliances with whoever happens to be on your server. And so you meet a lot of new people. Like you mentioned, it's a social game. You can like meet a lot of new people, create alliances, go into things and all be flying the same flags and have a whole fleet. But it's not oppressive because I can't go in with a pre-made group of like 20 people on 10 ships. So I think they've made a lot of really great improvements to the game, but a lot of people haven't gone back to it to take a second look because the launch was so terrible. But I think that the game that they offer now is worth a second look. That's fair enough. Is it a game you can play solo or is that not even an option? You can't. Yes. Uh, playing solo is I mean, an option, but yes, it, it's an it option, is but more is it, difficult. Yes. But is it difficult. fun? Is it as fun? I enjoy it because again, okay. I feel like I get the same feeling in Sea of Thieves when I'm playing solo that I got that I got in Subnautica. That kind of like I'm always looking over my shoulder. I'm always a little bit anxious because it is it's a PvP all the time game. You can't opt out of PvP. Even when you form an allegiance with someone, you can break that allegiance and shoot them. Like <laughs> it's still a it's still a PvP game, which I think adds for me as a I am a more of a competitive gamer. I tend to like PvP experiences. PvP is my favorite part of WoW, which not a lot of people say that. So I think that like as a more competitive person, I like the fact that PvP is always there because it, it increases my excitement in the game. 
So you can play solo, but it can be very challenging because even the ship that you play solo on is better crewed with two people. So you have to know the mechanics and you have to know where things are on your ship and you have to be pretty quick. So mm. it's a more challenging way to play, but it's definitely doable. I put, I play solo. All right. None so. of my friends want to go back to it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm telling you, I it's think worth going back to. It's, it's a beautiful you know, it's, game. It's the story of half the games of the internet nowadays. You know, they, they launch incomplete and then people the the developers keep working on them i mean everyone was doing the comparison with sea of uh uh no man's sky Sky. yeah Yeah. which uh is its own bag of potatoes but yeah it's it's it feels like this is how things are way too often but uh, unfortunately i i guess developers are gonna wisen up to it because people don't go back to their games once they've been completed after release um if it was too lackluster at launch so um yeah but i guess it's another game the other thing is it's on game pass so if you ever end up get, getting game pass uh you can go check it out yeah um, you can try it for free yeah exactly well i mean for the price of the game well pass. for for game pass but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, so three of my games have already been mentioned. Um, I'm I'm kind of hoping and not hoping that Ed will mention the other two, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, which are your five favorite games, Ed? Yeah, so uh, I'm going to go through from top to bottom, I guess. Uh, so Thronebreaker, The Witcher Tales. Okay. Uh, Celeste. Okay. Uh, which I know I'm stealing from you, Patrick. Uh, <laughs> Into the Breach, Return of the Obra Din, oh, and nice. Red Dead Redemption Two. Uh, wow. I, I feel like I'm Jeff. I feel like I'm Jeff, where I have to uh, like justify Red Dead Redemption Two to everyone because no one else like, likes it, like you had to do with God of War. But uh, yeah, it's you know Red five. Dead. Red Dead Redemption. I'm I'm really glad at least someone is mentioning it. It's not in my <laughs> list. Um, it's. I'm glad someone is mentioning it because how can we not? It's yeah. incredible that it's not at least on on some of our lists. But uh, I mean, we'll talk about it in a little bit. But Thronebreaker. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. So yeah, Gwent story mode, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a card game. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's it's a card game of. Does it even is it allowed? Because Gwent came out what last year. Um, uh. It's a completely separate standalone game, though. I guess it is. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, so, like, Gwent in Witcher 3 was, like, pretty easy. Like, if you had, like, the uh, very easily formed deck could just, like, wipe the floor with everyone. Uh, they changed the rules, and, and I think it reflects in the multiplayer game, too. But uh, So it's a little bit different. It's a little bit more slower paced. It's a little bit more, like building up your combos to the point where you can like uh do things so uh that but like the game itself like there's um what i like so much about it is the story is really fantastic the choices that you have to make about who you have recruited into your um your army and then like their reactions to the choices that you make uh are really powerful and like uh, ripples down the rest the there's five chapters in the game uh i made a choice in chapter two that i didn't expect at all to affect anything in chapter three just because it's the character that was involved was like not part of the uh the like main story beats at that point and it was just like completely uh blew my mind when so- when something happened and i ended up having to 
uh, make that person leave my army because it was just so appalling what what they did. Um, so it's, but, so that I've heard I've heard a lot of people say it's essentially a Witcher game, uh, but it's yeah, just it a card is. game. But that's oh, yeah, it, it's like one hundred percent a Witcher game except instead of being an action RPG, it's a card game instead. Like the main uh, gameplay loop is a card game. The uh, most of the card games that you play are actually not the standard like Gwent that you would play in the multiplayer. Most of them are actually like story. Um, story missions that are like shortened so you only have one round to win uh, or puzzle missions where you're given a custom deck and you have to figure out which order to play the cards and where in order to beat them. Uh, so that that is actually really satisfying when you're like scratching your head over and over again and then you like manage to do things in just the right order to just completely wipe the floor with the enemies. So um, I, I, fi I find those satisfying. I find the story really, really compelling and interesting. Um, if you are a fan of the Witcher books, it's all about Queen Meave and her, uh, the way she like travels uh, through the different areas. Uh, so, and she's a very compelling character as well. So, yeah, I I don't have a lot to add. I think it's really interesting that we're getting so, so many different games from from everyone. <laughs> the, the 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 next one though, I will have a lot to say about, and that's Celeste. Mm-hmm. You can start. So Celeste, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll Cel Celeste on. is a it is a tough platformer. It is a um, it is somewhat frustrating. I would say the the main story uh, sections, like progressing through the game, is not like super frustrating. You can get to like very more hard uh, traversal in like some of the B sides and stuff like that, which are like the the mirror levels in, in such a, uh, in so many words. Uh, but the the thing I really like about Celeste is the the progression of the character and how she deals with like real mental illness and how the game like talks about mental illness um and it having it be on this back this backdrop of this very difficult platformer like made me think about how i feel about when i get enraged of ga at games and stuff like that you know <laughs> uh so it's kind of like weirdly like prophetic how the the gameplay loop and the story kind of loop in on each other uh, but yeah, it's a it's a very powerful game that sends a very powerful message uh, towards mental illness, which is something I really like about it. Yeah, I th I think even saying mental illness, I don't know if that's because I friend I'm French and it feels like something a lot more heavy uh, than than you know it can be. It can be, I mean, obviously mental illness is is never fun, but it's just things that a lot of all of us deal with from time to time. And it's just, you know, things like uh, uh, insecurity, depression. Everyone goes through moments mm -hmm. of, of stuff like that. So Celeste talks about this and in the same, in the same way talks to everyone. Um, I can't express how incredible this game is. This is my game of the year uh, period. And it's a perfect synergy between the, the, the uh, theme of a game... And it's gameplay, you know, it's more than just synergy. It's like it, they are the same thing. The theme of the game is, and the narration of the game, the story of the game is its gameplay and vice versa. It's, and the difference, I think, uh, with many other difficult platformers is that this game is incredibly 
wholesome and hopeful and helpful and and it loves its players you know so many of those games those difficult games i think one has to mention uh dark souls seem to revel in the uh uh in in almost a, a sadistic way in the failures of their players and this game is the opposite of that it starts with i think the first words that are displayed on screen are you can do this and this is a message about uh madeline the the protagonist in celeste and you as a player and i i just for context I don't like these games usually. I don't, I'm not a big fan of pixel art. I'm not a big fan at all of difficult platformers. And I'm not a big fan of, of hard games, period. Um, and I, I love this game because it encouraged me. And I almost, you know, I, I would love for everyone to experience this game. And I think, I actually think out of uh, everyone uh, I know, Jeff... You are someone that would uh, enjoy this game even more because it it feels like it corresponds to uh, some of your philosophy of being positive and and being helpful and being the the I, I don't know exactly how to put it, but this is a game that that wants you to succeed, that wants to be your friend and wants to be helpful to you. And the crazy thing is that. Because of it, you 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 manage and you do it, and I can't remember if you if you tried it at all, Jeff. Um, but but if you did and you you stopped playing, I would I I think you should <laughs> try again. Essentially, I uh, I have to admit I I have not really um, engaged with Celeste. I admire it. I have um, I work in an office with uh, a bunch of people who got really obsessive about that game and played it constantly, talked about it constantly, played it in front of me constantly. I admire it. I like watching people play it. I think it's a beautiful game. I think it's an inspiring game. It is not my jam at all. Mm. <laughs> it's just not. And I re I can recognize that. It's just not for me. It's, right. um, and I, I think it's an excellent, uh, well-crafted, certainly a labor of love. You can tell that just by watching it, just by looking at it. But, I know me, and I'm not going to. Uh, I have no desire to play it. <laughs> I think the the reason I'm I'm so uh, in love with it is that it's one of those games that I thought wasn't my jam, that I knew wasn't my jam, and and I played it a little bit anyway, and it brought me in. It's that wholesomeness that I keep talking about that welcomed me in and that encouraged me. And I'm never one that would, you know, it's like Madeline has to climb a mountain. And for me, these types of games are mountains that I look at and I'm like, F you, I don't need that crap. You know, I I don't have time or or uh, you know I don't want to waste my joy of living trying to do something super hard for the sake of doing it, and that game, uh, because of the way it's crafted, managed to make me do it and to enjoy it more than it, it didn't really frustrate me. It was just you know when you when you fail at some point, it's a little bit annoying. But you want to keep going, and you you progress a little bit more every time. Um, I don't know. It 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 worked on me so well, and the, from a game design crafting point of view, the way it it mixes its narrative and its gameplay are 
Incredible. And I was talking about playing a female character earlier when we were talking about Assassin's Creed. Um, this is another example and Horizon before it. I think all of these games are making um, making it okay for me to... Uh, not okay, that's a, a harsh way of saying it, but I, I'm okay playing as a character different from me. And I think that's also making me in a little bit, in a little way, uh, a, a better human being. And Madeline in this game is so, you know, uh, uh, lovable and admirable as a, a person. And she's the, a bunch of pixels that is crafted so well that she gets a soul. You know, it's, I can't say, I, you everyone's probably tired of hearing me rave about this game, but I can't say enough <laughs> um, good things about it. It's an incredible experience. And even if you don't like these games, I would highly encourage you to at least give it a try uh, because it's a game that I think I will never forget. It's an, an amazing, amazing piece of art. Um, all right. So that's the last <laughs> for me. <laughs> As you can guess, it's my game of the, game of the year. Uh, Into the Breach is your yeah. third one. Yeah, so this is uh, the makers of FTL. Uh, they created a, a small like chess game that is not chess. It's all with robots that attack each other, attack little bugs and stuff like that. Um, but the, the the way it's a strategy game. So, but all the the grid is very small. It's like max eight by eight, maybe. And uh, but the way you you kind of once you figure out the systems of the game and how you can influence it, uh, you end up making one move that can hit a guy into a rock, which will break a dam, and then the dam will flood the flood part of the map with water, and then some of the bugs will drown. Like it, it's stuff like that that uh, as you progress through the game and you get. Uh, more and more used to how the game works. Like you, you're like, I'm losing really bad. There's no way I, there's no way I can, I can win this match. Uh, it's, it's almost over for me. If, if I lose all my power, I'm gonna die, die and have to start over. Um, and then you just see that one move, that one move that you can make that will completely change uh, the result of the match. And then it just completely, uh, you win, and then you go on to the next level and. Uh, the game is very difficult. Uh, play on easy at the beginning. Uh, don't be afraid of playing on easy. Uh, like FTL, you played on easy the first time. Uh, but the game is uh, very satisfying to play and very fulfilling when you uh, when you successfully lay, put all the best laid plans and put them into effect. I've heard so many good things about this game. Maybe I should, I have it. Uh, maybe I should play it in easy. And that's... Actually, another thing that Celeste does so well, uh, telling you yeah. it's okay to play in easy uh, and in assist right. mode. But maybe I should. I I usually don't, and I didn't. This game is Celeste, intended but, is intended right. to play you okay. on easy at the beginning because you're you have to learn the mechanics of the game before you before normal is even a possibility for you. Fair enough. Okay, so, maybe I'll give it another yeah. try then. Maybe when it comes out yeah. on Switch, because I now wait it's for out everything. On Switch. To... Oh, it is. Well, I guess it's I have to buy Switch it again. For a couple months. Yeah, that's All how right. I played it. I played it. I played on the bus on the way to work. It takes me 15 minutes to ride the bus to work, and I, in that time, I can play like two or three uh, rounds of this game. Mm. And it's it's awesome. A switchable game. One more. Yeah. Uh, Return sure. of the Obra Dinn, which could be a switchable game, I suppose. Um, 
is what is your opinion of that game? Obviously, I, I'm I very I'm very highly opinionated of the, about this game uh, since I put it in my top five for the year. But uh, this game is is really cool. The uh, oh, you actually, yeah, about- sorry. Yeah. Uh, another one has to leave us. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I apologize. No, it's my fault. I did say two hours, and uh, we are at the two hour mark already. Um, you are a dad, and you have to do dad stuff which i understand because i'm also a dad uh so uh, thanks for being on jeff uh in spite oh, it's of been your my pleasure terrible. thanks for having me it's so fun listening to everybody's lists and i'm, I'm so delighted by all the variety really cool uh, We'll uh, decide on, well, actually, we won't be able to decide on one uh, game for all of us. But uh, if people want to hear uh, more discussions from you about games and movies and other stuff, where should they go? Uh, I do a podcast called DLC. You can find that at 5x5.tv slash DLC. Excellent. Uh, And your game of the year episode is coming up soon. So if you want more of that. Very soon. Yes, we're recording it very soon. Thanks very much, Jeff. Go be a dad. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Bye. Uh, yeah, those those episodes always go long. I wonder why. <laughs> I mean, you know, you would think, we'll talk about this again, I'm sure, but you would think that we would have at least a couple of games in common, all of us, yeah. in our list. But right. it, it, there's almost no games in common. Um, yeah. All right. So Return of the Opera Din, go ahead. Yeah. So uh, so the, the, the way the, the game begins is you... Uh, you are a uh, insurance investigator, essentially, and your job is to f- go onto the ship that has returned from uh, being at sea five years late than it was supposed to. And your job is to figure out what happened on the boat. Um, as far as gameplay mechanics are concerned, you are supposed to identify each person on the boat by their name, how they died, and p- potentially who killed them. Essentially, clue. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> But I have uh, literally never heard of this, but it sounds so freaking cool. Oh, yeah. really? So have you guys played, have, have you guys played uh played Papers Please, or at least heard of yes. Papers Please? Yes, it's by course. the same guy. Yeah, Toby. Oh, uh, okay. So, so he he is a, a master class at storytelling and presentation through the way of gameplay, uh, in such a way that that man. So, so the way you unlock. Oh, I said Toby uh, Fox. What am I saying? It's Undertale. Toby Fox's Undertale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, God. I'm, I'm, I can't remember. It's that guy. It's, it's that guy. Um, oh my God! But, how can I forget? Okay, go ahead. I'll, I'll uh, Google Lucas it. Pope. Lucas um, Pope. There you go. They both have yeah. names that sound kind of like <laughs> the same. <laughs> so the way you, the way you discover uh, how people die is you uh, have a little pocket watch that'll allow you to see the exact moment of their death. So in pitch in a picture form, so a still frame of the exact moment of their death, and then you hear you get to hear uh, only audio of people talking before they die. Uh, so the, well, the, you say the in very, picture form, it's a freeze frame that you can move around yes. in. So yes, it's a yeah, you, it's, you move around inside of it, and you get to like uh, zoom in on people's eyes and ident- or faces and identify them on the on the. Uh, the little picture that you get in your little book, your little journal. Uh, but se- seriously, uh, this game is is magical because not because like like figuring out how people die is pretty easy, right? Like you, the very first body that you look at is uh, someone shoots him, so you're like, okay, this guy shot him, right? 
Uh, that's I how he died. They throw you a softball at the beginning to make you feel <laughs> yeah. real good about <laughs> <Yeah>. yourself. <laughs> um, but but it's identifying the people. That's the hard part. So you, the only way you have to identifying people is by is by people calling them by name, either in the air in the scene where they die or some other completely unrelated scene. Or you, it's basically process of elimination, and the way you figure it out is by the way the clothes they're wearing, the people that they hang out with, the or there the, are names as well, like certain, the, yes, the, the 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 wife who kept her maiden name and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, so it's right, yeah. right. So so it, it but uh, so the way it works is that after you get three fates correctly and by and their names correctly, they get locked in. And so you know that that is who they are 100%. But the the sound effect that happens when you unlock it is like very satisfying because it like you 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 just uh you select like a name or whatever to to that final lock in and the whole game freezes for a second and then it pops up and goes, "Good job. You figured out uh three people." And then it goes through, it flips you through the book and locks in every single one one by one. It's so it's it's really cool and really satisfying the feedback loop that you get when you unlock uh things uh but yeah it, it it's it's a powerful game um it gets creepy at times it gets uh kind of downright scary at times uh despite the fact that you are completely safe the whole time because it's just a freeze frame of, of people's death but uh that's trying like to... um oh there was a game that i played it was the uh she goes back to the the family home oh uh, like... uh what remains of edith finch Yes, yes, that's yeah, it. And yeah, that's yeah. that's what this kind of reminds me of. It's like technically you're safe the whole time and like the way they tell the story is like freeze framey type stuff, but yeah. It just the creep factor is definitely there. Yeah, in the the art style uh if you've googled it, uh Oh, that's the, the main style, part. Like, the art style is, is incredible. Yeah, it looks awesome. It's like uh it's all uh kind of I don't even know how to describe it, but it's black and well, white. It's it's uh, essentially what 3D would look like if if 3D was possible on like the first Apple II. Um, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, but the way the way they use the art style reflects back in the gameplay because you can't really see people's faces that well, so you can't really use that as a comparison tool against the picture. And so that is like like you can zoom in on them and be like, okay, it's this person in the picture, but the but the way they kind of present it is a, is is super cool and it kind of helps uh you feel like you're actually a detective trying to figure out what happened on this ship. Yeah, it's definitely artistically an achievement. Um yeah. and, and I think it won best art or something at the game awards uh yeah, I think or something so. like that. So so mm. it, it's well deserved of that praise for sure. Um yeah, if if that speaks to you, Josh, you should definitely give it a try because it's it's kind of a, a an incredible, unique experience. I love solving mysteries. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and now the the game that is not the best game of the year, according to many people, surprisingly, <laughs> Red Dead Redemption Two. Did you did you finish it? No spoilers, but uh, I'm in chapter five. Okay, so pretty far. Um, so along. there's there's six chapters and two very long epilogues. So effectively eight chapters. Um, the, the, the this game uh, is it's a it's a slow burn at the start. If if you're just trying to get through like the story and enjoy the story and the gang uh, stuff, like that's why people fall off it so quickly. I, I think you, you don't really get doesn't really get 
the story doesn't really get interesting until chapter four and chapter five and so on. And chapter two is very long, but it's long on purpose. And the reason why it's so long is because it's trying to one, introduce you to mechanics. And then it's trying to encourage you to use those mechanics outside of the story missions. So like the, the hunting, uh, the fishing, all that stuff is very purposeful and methodical. And, and like when you're, performing all these acts in the game you really it really does immerse you in this world in a way that uh i I think is true of a lot of games but the the performance aspect of this game completely uh surpasses red dead one for sure uh but it's a master class of game like kind of completionism i guess (laughs) in in terms of like perfectionism or whatever the 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 thing, the way I talk about, so I'm only, I just got to chapter three, I'll get back to it, and uh, I, I will try to finish it at some point. There are, like, you guys just added five games that I have to play on my <laughs> list. But, I um, stopped at the exact same spot, actually, Patrick, is I finished the second chapter and got to chapter three, and I don't think I actually played any of chapter three, because I had such a, like oh my god, if they're all this long, like, I'm never yeah. getting through this yeah. game, and I yeah. fell off it. I yeah. wish they they're not. it differently. They're so, definitely not all that long. But uh, I think in, in that, so in that short time, I didn't get any interesting story. I mean, the characters are kind of <laughs> very well realized, but you get, you don't get any interesting story. By all accounts, it starts after that. Um, but, so I can't really judge the game as a complete package, but the experience you get from being in that game in that universe is incredible it's it's i think the you were trying to describe it the way i would say it is it's realistic to a fault and realistic in a way that has never been approached by any other game parts of it is because the the people at rockstar are incredible game designers and artists and creators but also part of it i think is because no one ever thought it would be a good idea to be this methodical and slow and yeah um and it, it's artistically artistically daring that rockstar decided to go there um it's a game that has as we discussed when we talked about it uh, initially it's a game that has a vision and that doesn't care what you think the game should be. It's going to impose its vision and its pace on you. And damn you, if you don't want that, then you're not going to enjoy it. And too bad. Like we talk a lot about like the, the like video games as art and like what the artist Mm. like or designer or whatever, like wanted to talk about. We talked about God of war, how it was really like a father son story and how that was the point that the, um, the developers were trying to get across. So this game, also accomplishes that it's just because it's so different in the in its methodicalness like patrick what you're saying like it just makes it it, it may it kind of rises above in my opinion yeah i think uh, it's i mean it's kind of a an achievement for sure yeah uh right but it, I, i'm just not sure it's an achievement i enjoy you know that's the, <laughs> the weird thing about it just you See, played I, you, so you played for yeah. A, a, a good amount of time as well um you fell off of it but did you enjoy your time in it or not even um i did i enjoyed uh the main character that you play who uh arthur morgan i believe yeah is his name yeah like i i really enjoyed him he and... gets more and more snarky 
too. Yeah. Which is like kind of the most endearing part about him is just how like how much back sass he gives everyone in the in the <laughs> gang like all the time. And yeah, like I I enjoyed him and the the character acting and then the the story that was surrounding it. I just felt like um one of the big promises that they made as part of Red Dead Redemption 2 was that, you know, the world would happen around you and you would be moving your camp because you're outlaws in the, you know, last ages of the outlaws sort of thing. And, you know, you have to keep moving because the law is on you. And I just I never really felt that because that second chapter was so long that it was very, very different. Like I, I felt like almost a little bit let down because I was like, I thought this was supposed to be a little bit faster paced. And it was, it was so, so slow at the beginning that, uh, and you were so focused around that one town as well. Right. So I felt like I wasn't being pushed out into the larger world. And so I think that's what did it. Yeah. I mean the, the, as the, like that first transition from chapter two, to chapter three, where where you do move your camp. You like you have a whole another town that you're involved with, uh. So you you kind of get that feeling, but I think the the slowness of traversing that world is what what creates that feeling that you're feeling, Jocelyn, of like it just takes so like you're not feeling under the gun at all because I can take a twenty minute ride to the next town and not and not, not that's not a problem. You well, know, I, I can also uh, go in the forest and and you know fish. And and hunt for fifteen days exactly. if I want, yeah, yeah, and it yeah, doesn't yeah. really, you know. Uh, but it like once you once you get past like chapter two and maybe even chapter three a little bit, then you start to re like every the ending of every chapter is very much like, oh shit, we d- we need to go basically. Yeah, you know? no, no spoilers. Uh, don't say yeah, anything. Yeah. No, but I, I mean, like, I feel like that that isn't even necessarily a spoiler because that was kind of the experience that was sold through the marketing. And right. I almost wish that, I, um, and I know this would probably be a nightmare from a storytelling perspective, but I almost wish that if I chose to go off into the woods and hunt for 10 days, that then I would go back to where I thought camp was. And they were like, no, no, we shot up a town <laughs> and now like we had to go. And, you know, like Arthur would then have to like find his crew again and at the new mm. camp or whatever. Like, yeah. You're, you're I right. Wish it, it moved doesn't really... a little more. It it doesn't. The world doesn't well, live the way I thought it would. I mean, it's the 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 game. You're talking about the slow pace. It's the def- it's it's defining quality, and maybe it it ramps up later. But the the game is it's slow pace. It's yeah. it's it's what makes it what it is, and and it forces you to enjoy the environments that are incredibly realized, and and the the life of Arthur Morgan. I often say on this show that I call this game the Arthur Morgan Simulator. It's not really a game; <laughs> it's yeah. you being this guy in this environment, and and them trying to make you feel as much as humanly possible, sometimes to a fault, like you are just this person. Um, right. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's my yeah, that's so, my five. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's an interesting game to be because as I mentioned, everyone thought it was going to be the game of the year, and I do want to mention um, I I did a a poll with my French listeners, and uh, they did select it as their game of the year, which came as a surprise because everyone of them that I've interacted with didn't think it was worthy of that title, but apparently the public at large or larger uh is very much liking it it was first 
I think both if they could only choose one and if they could choose five. So it's it's kind of a favorite in spite of what the gaming press or whatever is saying people are really enjoying it despite its its slowness so i wanted to yeah I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad game by any stretch i think it's definitely up there on the list for this year i i had quite a few yeah. that just barely like like i had to choose five and it was difficult and <laughs> i think yeah red dead was still it was a good experience it was beautiful it was well done i'm like i'm not knocking it at all it just uh maybe it was the timing of when it came out i didn't have a ton of time to sink into it and then it just kind of like slam the the brakes on in that chapter two so i didn't keep going with it in chapter three or i haven't picked it up again i know that i will eventually it just yeah, you right. know like and so yeah i'm not knocking the game I, I did enjoy i did enjoy it it just yeah i'm i'm knocking it a little bit um I think, I think, I, mean, I know I, I saw you on Twitter and I was like, oh man, Patrick <laughs> is going to get so much heat for these tweets. <laughs> well, I mean, the beginning, I think everyone has that same experience where you have this uh, weird, uh, uh, real, realistic, uh, uncanny valley uh, where mm. things that happen make no sense because everything is super realistic, but then you brush uh, with someone with your shoulder and they're like they get out their gun and they're like ah you want to oh go, go and I'm like what and like how many times have <laughs> I anyway so everyone goes through that and then you slow down and you 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 get into the game but I I I the artistic part of it the artistic achievement is undeniable I think you would have to be yeah. of of really you know uh, uh really dishonest to think that artistically it's not uh, uh, uh an incredible achievement that is probably above everything else we've seen in the past in the realistic realist uh realistic pursuit but as a game that push towards realism i'm not sure is i mean you get into conversations that are almost philosophical about what is a game should it be fun is fun necessary for a game is that a, a, or can it be something else is the experience important are walking simulators games then and yes obviously some of my favorite games are walking simulators but in this case there are arguments against it so but it it i ask i do ask myself Essentially, I'm going to speak for myself. I'm not sure I'm having fun when I'm playing the game. And that's where the comparison with Assassin's Creed Odyssey com comes in because I was playing that and I went to Assassin's Creed Odyssey. On one hand, it was more immediate fun immediately. Uh, that's immediately twice. But on the other hand, everything felt like a toy. Everything felt like it was made for a, 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 a you know clumsy child. Um as opposed to the the methodical you you kept using that word Ed, and I think it's appropriate methodical intent of the world of Red Dead Redemption yeah. Two, but but I'm still not sure for all its praises. I'm not sure it's a it's a good or great game. Um, I don't have an answer, but I think the question is <laughs> is worth asking. Yeah, yeah, I, I I exclaimed so loudly when you were talking about like accidentally bumping into someone yeah. because i was trying for i i had to reload my save three times in order to get out of saint denis the other day because every time <laughs> i would go up to my horse the button to like uh to like get on your horse is the same as the button to tackle a person <laughs> <laughs> and so i would run up to my horse like you know I, i'm going fast so it's like you're saying like you have to slow down a little bit but i'm going fast i'm running up my horse i hit i hit the triangle person triangle button i tackle a guy and then 
I get wanted for assault and then all the cops come and shoot me because apparently that's a violent crime and then I shoot them <laughs> and then now I'm wanted for murder and then all of a sudden I have a $200 bounty on my head and all I wanted to do was just fucking go back sorry just go back to the go back to the the camp in order to do the next story mission yeah that's a great way of of summarizing and concluding <laughs> our thoughts on Red Dead Redemption 2 um all right so i guess it's my turn and we've talked about uh almost all of the games on my list um my list is celeste in no particular order in my case although you know celeste is first in my heart uh celeste god of war assassin's creed spider-man and the last one is dead cells which i'm surprised no one even mentioned but uh dead cells is an incredible mix a miraculous success of a mix between all of the gaming uh, uh, hot trends you could think of that shouldn't work it's a, a retro pixel art type uh, style uh, metroidvania that is also kind of a roguelike and a uh, diablo a little bit of diablo looter uh, sprinkled on <laughs> and also dark soulsy not really dark soulsy but let's throw that in because you can die quickly if you're not careful um and you and just it, said like all the things i absolutely hate in games <laughs> Oh really? Okay, yeah, well, like Metroidvania, like Dark Souls and roguelike and Pixel. I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe Dark Souls is not a fair way of describing it, but all of the other ones are. So you're, it's probably not a game for you. Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> but it is a game that I I got on my Switch. I I did get the early access, and I didn't really get into it. And then it came out on the Switch, so of course I bought it because I you know the Switch makes everything better, um, and. I, I fell into it and I played for hours and hours and hours. I still didn't complete it. Uh, I didn't get to the end of the, the, the initial run, but I loved every minute of it. I got almost to the end. And it's such a, all of these, what what should be diluted into a, a soupy um, mess actually takes out all of the great parts of these games and makes them shine uh, for the player. And I, I really think that it's one of those, I, I want to say not really hidden because it's well known, but it's one of those gems that you don't necessarily think of, but is so much, it's so video gamey. It's so much video game. It's like an essence, the essence of what a video game is compressed into a great video game you know it's it's um a, an incredible moment for uh uh for someone to dive into and to lose yourself into like you you will play or at least i did i played for hours and hours without uh realizing it had been that long it's just i love that game um it's maybe not the first one in my list but it could easily be i'm sure for it's no that's not true i think the reason it's not the first one is as jeff was saying about something else earlier is that there are so many other incredible experiences in any other game before i guess 2016 this would have been the game of the year for many many people uh and now it's barely making <laughs> any list so 
I, I love that it did, game. And... It, it won something at the Game Awards, though, didn't it? I thought. Uh, I can't remember. Best indie game, right? uh, no, Celeste was best indie game. Okay. Which, which I can't remember what was it, or was Celeste the the? Didn't they win the the Games for Good award? Wasn't that what oh, Celeste won? Oh, maybe. Uh, I thought it was. Uh, maybe let let's Google this real quick. Uh, I'm uh, actually quanting. you keep talking, Patrick. Okay, go ahead. Thank you. Um, so yeah. Anyway, uh, well, I'm basically done talking. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Dead Cells is is an amazing game, and I encourage everyone to to go best get it. Best action on the game is what it was. Oh, best action game. Ah. Yeah, it's it's worthy of that. And and Celeste was best indie yeah. game, which was a travesty because it should have been best game. Period. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm not killer. So uh, I my, I I fell off of Dead Cells uh, pretty hard. Uh, I I felt like. Uh, I wasn't progressing as much as I would have liked to be to be progressing, and that got really discouraging very fast. And so mm. I, I kind of decided to play something else. I think I started playing the Messenger or something like that around that because they all came out. All, like August was the month of Metrovanias, where yeah, Dead Spells, De- or Dead Cells, Chasm, Guacamelee Two, like all these games came out all at the same time. Mm. Well, I mean, I won't, I won't die on the hill of dead cells uh i think they could <laughs> they could make a, a better job at indicating to you how to progress and how to get those four runes that help you uh get to some parts of the levels that could be a little bit better i actually had to go and and look it up uh at some point but um i won't die on the hill of of uh of dead cells in the way that i would die on the hill of celeste uh, so yeah take of that what i i don't think everyone should play Dead Cells. I do think everyone should at least give Celeste a try. So that tells you something about Dead Cells as well, I guess. Um, I will say, however, that we did a special, I did a special with developers from Dead Cells uh, who are actually a French company, really interesting structure. They have like a flat structure where everyone gets paid the same. Everyone gets uh, the, the the same share of the profits. It's super weird. Um, and we talk about the game, things about game design that are really interesting, uh, their company that are really interesting as well. Uh, I had a couple of devs for, I don't know, an, an hour, uh, and that's episode 91 and I would highly encourage you guys to go listen to it because it's interesting even if you haven't played the game so Pixels 91 you can go check it out as well and that brings it uh, brings us to the end of this uh, list for which I, I wanted to try as I mentioned uh, to select a game uh, that we would all agree on but <laughs> in the same way that we did in the French version of this show called Le Rendez-vous Jeu um it's impossible because everyone has different games on their lists and they're all worthy of being favorite games of the year. And it's not like we can, you know, trace a through line to everyone and, and decide which one would be... Maybe Assassin's Creed is on more lists than than uh, other games, but still, I don't feel I like... I was going to say, out of the three of us that are still on the call, we literally do not have any matching games <laughs> at all yeah it's, it's <laughs> at <right all>. amazing <laughs> and it's not like we're like oh one game we have five each of us and and i don't think like even if we include olivia and jeff uh there there are like maybe two games that are in in each other's list maybe with jeff i have three but that's kind of it um so yeah it's i would again, say assassin's creed is probably a good call i would say if you had to pick one 
probably, but it also feels, I know that's the rule of, you know, if everyone has to be, uh, to agree, you end up sometimes f uh, choosing a game that not everyone adores, but everyone's okay with. Um, well, and the, and I, I feel like with Assassin's Creed, since I didn't even play it, then it's on like 75% of lists of people who played it. And I true. didn't play it because I thought it would be bad. I didn't play it because the previous iteration of Assassin's Creed, I really didn't like. Mm. So it wasn't even that I thought Odyssey was bad. It's just I, I avoided it because of previous Assassin's Creed titles. So yeah, which is al I, I almost would be what okay I did. with Odyssey. I think you know <laughs> I would be okay with it too. I just want to say that I don't think it's. I love it. I love the game. It's probably the one I spent the most time on out. Well, maybe not uh, except God of War, but I, I feel so much strongly, so much more strongly about some of the others that I, it, it would need to be a little bit of a caveat on choosing Assassin's <laughs> Creed, which again, in any other year would be an easy win for, for most of us. So yeah, maybe Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I guess. It's not it's not a shame at all. It's a it's a great game and I would encourage everyone who skipped it because of past <laughs> experience to go check it out. If you have, you know, fifteen hundred hours to to pour into a game. Um so yeah, anyway, that's our list. Uh, that's our lists. And I hope you've enjoyed the banter and the, the, the discussions. Uh, it went on for a little bit longer than I thought. Uh, so thanks to both of you for sticking it out uh, to the end. And uh, if you, people want to get more of your uh, wise commentary on games, where should they go? Let's start with uh, Joss. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Twitch. I'm at Joss Plays. That's J-O-C-E Plays. And uh, if you like Blizzard games, I do have two Blizzard shows. I do for Azeroth about World of Warcraft, as well as The Angry Chicken about Hearthstone. And if you're looking for general gaming thoughts, then you can check out The Gamers In. Excellent. Thank you very much. Ed, what about you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Adesis. Uh, that will be in the show notes, as always. The... Uh, I stream live Wednesday nights, uh, eight o'clock uh, Central Time, and tonight I I just put a poll up on my Twitter to decide what kind of game I'm playing. Right now, I think Valkyria Chronicles Four is winning. Uh, oh, so I'm sorry. That, I'm not. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that was me. So, yeah, but so so yeah so. Uh, and then I, I, I occasionally show up on four player podcasts, uh, podcast on Thursday nights. Uh, but if you're interested in hearing, um, uh, me and some other people that I, that I work with, uh, to hear about games and stuff like that, uh, you can watch us there. And, uh, sometime in like early to mid January, we'll be posting our top 10 videos of the year, which will probably include some, if not all of the games that I talked about tonight. Excellent. Uh, and, and it's a clever thing to do it when the year has actually ended because uh, we didn't get to talk about uh, Gris, Gris and... Uh, yeah, Ashen, uh, like... Below. Uh, below, a bunch of games just came yeah. out like this past week, so that's crazy. I mean, to, to be <laughs> fair, I did play through... I think I'm at the end of Gris. Uh, I played through... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like three and a half hours in, so I'm probably almost done. Yeah. And it, it wouldn't be on my list. Uh It's like a poem. It's very beautiful, but I, I don't think it's a, it's an experience that spoke to me as much as it does others. I, it's almost, I, I, this is, sorry, not to, to get back into it, but it's almost like, quote unquote, easy art. 
in that it's it's easy beautiful and i understand that this is very subjective and some people would probably say this about other games that i like but for me it doesn't land for that reason i think it's still beautiful i i appreciate it but with a little bit of distance uh so yeah for me it wouldn't have changed a lot um all right, let's not get back into it. Uh, I'm not Patrick on Twitter, <laughs> Facebook, and Instagram. And, uh, of course, you can find this uh, show at frenchspin.com. You can comment on it if you think we've said some clever things or if you think you, we've said some pretty dumb things as well. Uh, be nice <laughs> about it, though. And uh, thank you very much for listening. A hundred episodes, it's uh, it's kind of an achievement. I'm really glad that I've been doing this for four years. Um, it's been challenging at times, but I hope I can keep going. And I thank you very, very much for listening and for being there so uh keep keep it up and i uh hopefully will as well thanks everyone and see you in i guess 2019 wow that's going to be amazing as well talk to you soon Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code super 24.